on episode 49 of Pixel Guide In. Cody does a little Galaga experiment. Eric hosts a cooperative game show. Do you use classic consoles to emulate? The boys have an 8-bit shoot-em-up battle. Should it really be called a game and watch? Cody fixes a thing. Tim builds a thing. Eric talks Exodus. And we wrap up our favorite things of the year. Christmas is over. Feeling good. Christmas is done, and we are ready for a new year, Eric, but not until we recap the old one. That's right. It's a time of remembering. It's You know, not every year in our life is going to be as good as 2020. <laughs> so God, let's I hope take, that's not true. <laughs> let's take this moment to reflect and just, you know, count our blessings. Um, no, nope. I did. I considering all things. Uh, I, my family is very blessed, so I'm very happy. And my thoughts go out to everybody who, uh, who everybody in the world at this point. It's a worldwide thing. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, y'all are doing well. And uh, video games were not were not bad this year. I I would say I we I actually got a lot of time this month to play some games, which I don't say very often lately. So. I didn't, and I'm hoping that next month will be a little different. I'm hoping to get a lot more time to to play games here coming up soon, but you never know. Um, we are recording remotely again, so absolutely if we sound a little. If our cadence sounds a little different, that's what's going on. Now, I, we, I just realized in our last episode we never did catch up as far as uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Okay, how did Thanksgiving go for you? It went great. I mean, it it went well. Uh, it was just this year. It was just me, my wife, and my daughter. So we we scaled down the plans, of course. I mean, so we we made a smaller dinner, but the dinner was really good. So I mean, nice. we just kind of hung out. We we spent the whole day together, as we do every day with COVID. <laughs> yeah, we just it's not like every day is Thanksgiving, right? Every day, um, every day is a holiday with COVID. Exactly. Um, um, but it was nice. I mean, it was it was wasn't as big as we usually do it but it was a lot of fun how was yours so i it was about the same so we we were planning on a bigger one of course uh recent covid news and things kind of shut that down but uh the way it worked out we did have uh my wife's parents come over and they had pre-bought a bird for a very large crowd now this became very interesting because i am a fan of doing crawfish boils so i have the big old pot with the big old burner and then the the crawfish basket. Well, if you take the basket out, it's a turkey fryer. It's literally the yeah. same thing. You sell it with the basket or without the basket. Right. So I'm like, you know what? Wh- what the heck? Let's have fun. We've got this bird. Let's let's deep fry a turkey. I've never done it. Um, there's a there's an element of danger in it. I live it dangerously. It, you know me, Eric. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Catch your house on fire. So I did take all the precautions, and I and I did deep fry my first turkey. Now. Uh, there's a couple things I learned in hindsight. I'm going to try to do it again. Um, yeah. That uh, keep a, a deep fried turkey from working very well. And both of them happened in my application. 
first of all, I bought six gallons of peanut oil to do Oof. this thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, did it took all the, you know, I'm not going to get all the details, but there's, you, you pretty much have to, um, as long as you, as long as you are self-aware, it's not dangerous. It's people who yeah. take a, like a frozen turkey and throw it into hot oil and it starts bubbling everywhere. Then it boils over and catches fire. Okay. They will, obviously the goal is not let the hot oil touch the flame because it will catch fire. So, mm-hmm. um, took all the precautions. That's fine. But, to cook the turkey correctly, A, you're not supposed to have any wind, and it was probably one of the windiest days of the year. <laughs> That's true. It was, so yeah. it, I, it was really hard getting that, that oil to get hot at all, nonetheless up to temperature. And then it was a, they had bought a 20-pound turkey, which is like a ginormous turkey. That is. Which, by the way, is an official dictionary word now, ginormous. Yeah. Um, that should be on the news segment. Um, so anyways, you're supposed to use like a, the smallest turkey you can, like 10 pounds. And this thing was huge. So anyways, uh, I couldn't get the oil to 375 degrees. So we, instead of cooking it um, for about 45 minutes, which is about three minutes a pound, we ended up cooking it uh, like an hour and a half because it's a 20-pound turkey. And, yeah. the, and the oil never got to 375. It got to like 275. Okay. So we just cooked it longer. Um, and we pulled it out. And as we pulled it out, we noticed it didn't get brown and crispy like it's supposed to. But it looked yeah. pretty well cooked. And as we're like holding it, letting the oil drip off, it literally, the wings just start spreading open slowly. And we're like, what's going on? And the whole thing just, just starts disintegrating in front of us. Oh, <laughs> so we quickly no. toss it into the pan and it like gives out and literally falls into pieces in the pan. So it does not look good at all. But we pulled inside. And it was the easiest turkey I've ever had to carve because it pretty much carved itself. It just it just falls apart, yeah. <laughs> but but it was delicious. Oh, that's good. So it was good. It wasn't pretty, but it was really good, really that's moist, good. and so on and so forth. So I'm gonna try it again for New Year's. I bought a smaller bird for cheap after yeah. Thanksgiving. Just thought I'd throw that out. There's a fun story. But... Get a little ten pounder. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Well, sorry about talking about non-retro gaming items, but this is a retro gaming podcast and retro-related gaming podcast. And what do we like to start with, Eric? Quick questions. Quick questions. So, Tim, you have the first question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was the accent. <laughs> yes. That's the best I could do. <laughs> What is the best retro console for emulation and why? Xbox, PSP, Wii, any others? I'll let you answer that first. I do not have a good answer for this because as some of the people who have listened for a while potentially know, I really enjoy doing the old school gaming thing, which is I like the original hardware and I play, I don't even care about the picture quality to a point. I play it on this junky CRT I have in front of me because that's the way I played it back then. Mm-hmm. And it just works. And I don't like wireless controllers. I want them to be corded because it just works. I just want things that work. Um, so honestly, I don't have a single piece of retro console hardware that I use for emulation at all. Yeah. Now, what I will go with, when I was in college, uh, I had my Dreamcast mm-hmm. because they were blowing them out. And they were so easy to burn games for and whatnot that people put emulators on them back in college. So I did have like the entire Nintendo emulator ROM set and whatever on a on a disc, uh, as well as Master System, as well as all kinds of old old consoles at that time. And so that's the only thing I've really used as far as a console that I emulated 
other consoles on. So I'm going to go with the Dreamcast. And that's a good one. And I did the same thing when I first got my Dreamcast is I burned a NES like collection on yeah. the disc and ran that. And it ran, ran great. Um, I do use a particular machine when I want to just test something out really quick. Like not not get out, you know, the the Super Nintendo or whatever. And I just want to see if it's worth playing. I will almost always switch to the original equipment, just like you. But when I just want to try it first to see if it's worth all my time on there, I my Xbox, my original Xbox, because I told you we, we discussed this about six months ago, I think eight, six to eight months ago. Mine is modded up the wazoo. Yeah. I put a giant hard drive in it. It has every single emulator you can think of. I mean, MAME, Super Nintendo, Genesis, original, it just everything, anything you can ask for is on there with all the ROMs, with all the complete ROM sets on them. So, and that is all I use it for. I don't really play any original Xbox games. I mean, they're on there and you can play them like modded now. You can just download the ISO and move it over there via FTP. But I use it for emulation, especially for MAME nowadays, because my MAME, my little arcade MAME cabinet is, it's, sitting over there right now, but I don't really play it all that much. Yeah. It's just not at the right height and it's kind of a pain <laughs> in the butt. Um, so I, I use the original Xbox the most and it works perfectly. It works great. And then if I deem the games high worthy. quality enough, it would de- yeah, exactly. Deem them worthy. Then I switch to the original um, setup and, and play them there. I always hear X, the original Xbox, which I don't own by the way, the original Xbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear that a lot for, for emulation. And then for handheld, I hear PSP. So those right. are and two I, I usually I recently modded my PSP and it it does all those emulators great as well. I've only tested the Genesis one on there because there was a game I wanted to try. And then also playing original PS1 games works great on that. That's so perfect. On PSP. Too. So because half of the um, games on the PSP were just PS1 games anyways. <laughs> that's right. And so it works it works great. But the PSP would be great if you wanted a handheld, you know, emulation machine. It, yeah. it, it's perfect for that. My question was, when you were back in the day, uh, yeah. were you aware of imports, and did they interest you at all? So my, I'll, do, I'll try to keep this kind of brief. With, with the Commodore 64, which was my first big gaming machine, like big one, because um, I, mm-hmm. I downloaded every game I could get, I was very much aware of imports because of the PAL-NTSC difference. That makes sense, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would download NTSC hacks for games, and I remember one in particular was WizBall because everybody was raving about this game WizBall, but it was only PAL, so I downloaded that. So with the Commodore 64, yes, I was very, very much aware of imports, but then when I started to get into um, consoles, like the first console, you know, I, I've told you this was the Atari 5200, but the first one I bought as an adult was the Super Nintendo, Yeah, and... I I was totally oblivious to it. I did not think about imports. I didn't get them. I didn't wasn't even aware of them to be honest. And I never lived so, in that microcomputer world like which I would totally get cuz software yeah. was hardly ever bought. It was always just exchanged. Um, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I heard some of these other podcasts where people were talking about, "Oh, I couldn't wait and I imported this game on the Saturn and I wanted this game and I heard about this game." When I was a kid, if it wasn't on the rental shelf, or on the little flip card at Toys R Us. I didn't know it existed. There you go. Same here. That was a good way to put it. Yeah. So um, looking back, there's a tons of a ton of games. Especially the Saturn was amazing as far as imports. Just where it's at with the Saturn. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just a bummer that some of these things didn't make it stateside. And I guess they were really expensive to import back then too. So they're you know 
it'd be a hundred dollars a game rather than 50 at the time over here. So, right. Anyways, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and give some show information. And then when we come back, we will open ourselves some beers, Eric, as we like to do. So excellent. If you want to find show information, you're going to go to pixelguiden.com. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me, Eric Nelson at the project, D U H project. You can reach the show at, at pixel underscore Gaiden. Can reach Cody at, at oddball, which is ODDBA1149. You can reach Tim at sanction at S A N X I O N. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use. That would be really helpful for us. And if you want to email us, you can email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we do encourage feedback. We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there. Um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And this month is a bit of an homage to Cyberpunk. The corporation would like to thank you in advance for your assimilation. First, we would like to note the following individuals for rank advancement. The hospitable Jim Tessier. The shrill Henrik Lothal. The bounding Gary Heather. And the marvelous Dustin Newell. Please relocate to gate 34A to have your ID chip upgrades installed. We would like to ask the following individuals to join us at Institutional Building G before the day's end to receive constructive rehabilitation for Aaron and Steeds. The guiltless Matthew Ackerman. The perfect Daniel James. The ethereal Josh Malone. The diligent Eric Sandgren. The groovy David Vincent. And the guarded 10-minute Amiga Rendercast. Attention. Attention. For the following individuals, please make themselves noted. The elfish David Modelak. The hoping... Roy Fielding, the tearful Mr. Toast, the imaginary Team Grey all the way, and the scandalous Dolce Sosnowski. Your immediate response to the incinerary is required for immediate termination. We would also like to acknowledge the following individuals for acts benefiting the corporation without prompting. The glamorous Paradroid, the defective Ramble K. Ramble K., and the wandering Ant Stiller. Your efforts will be rewarded with seven credits each. Finally, we want to welcome our newest assimilated member, the squeamish Mitsuyama. We thank you in advance for years of servitude and obedience. I'd like to welcome everyone to a very special uh, edition of Cody's Corner this month. Um, I decided to do a little scientific research. So, we've had a lot of fun going back and forth about uh, a 
a comment I made a while back about a game Galaga, and I knew it was going to be a very un, um, unpopular take, to, to be honest about it, which is that even though it's a historic game and it was a landmark game, to me it's just not terribly fun to play nowadays. Um, I wasn't alive in its heyday, or I was, but I was so young I didn't know what it was, or, you know, hadn't learned video games yet, but it's not a game that I care to go play. It's good. It's a good game. It's not a great game. And uh, I've got a lot of hate over that, specifically from one uh, Patreon follower who we will not name, but I decided, you know what? Let me, uh, I don't want to say I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, but I'm going to pick three classic arcade games from 1981, one of them being Galaga, and I'm going to let an unbiased opinion let us know their opinion on these three games. And let's just see where Galaga falls, just for the fun of it. Um, so I have my MAME cabinet here, and I have not introduced into the room yet my two daughters, Adeline and Claire. They'll be here very shortly. They have no idea what we're going to be doing, but they're down to play some games, and we're going to uh, let them poke around and see what they think of... Uh, these three games, um, and uh, you'll see what they are here in just a second. So, I will go get them and be right back. All right, so I have my daughters here, Adeline and Claire. So I'm going to introduce you guys. Adeline, can you say hi into the microphone? Hello. Um, how old are you? I'm 11. 11 years old. And have you played a lot of old classic arcade games before? Not a lot, but some. Some, because your dad's cruel and he makes you do it? Sort of. <laughs> and my other daughter, Claire. Claire, how, say hi. Hi. And how old are you? Nine. And have you played a lot of classic arcade games? Um, well, I like trying them with you. You like to try them? Mm -hmm. But you don't have a lot of opinions about them? So, this is really simple. Uh, we are going to play three classic arcade games. Well, I'm going to let you two play three classic arcade games. If you guys have any questions about how to play them, you can ask me. And I just want you to guys each play a couple games of each. And then at the end, you guys can let me know what you think. Does that sound easy enough? Yes, yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's go ahead and start the first game. This game is called, do you know what this one is called? Is it Ladybug? It's not Ladybug, but you actually knew that's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, this game, let's see if it pops up here in just a second. What do you guys see on the screen? Frogs. Frogs. And it's called... Frogger. Frogger. All right, let's give this a shot. All right, let's go ahead and put coins in. So we got that button there to put coins in. Put a bunch of coins in. There you go. I'm going to play two player. Play two player for play two player? Yeah. So now two player on these old games, you don't play at the same time. You play separately. Okay. So Addy, Addy, you go first, okay? Okay. This oh. is like Crossy Road. Oh, yeah. This is fun. Oh, yay. It's like Crossy Road. It's like... No! It's like, it's like the new Can't go in the water. This should be Claire's turn now. Do you guys know what you're, you guys are trying to uh, get the best score, right? You guys know you're trying to get the best score? Mm. These old arcade games you would play just for score, not for, um, not to try to, like, beat the game. It's always the water. <laughs> and you guys are trying to get into these spots, ultimately. You want to get in these little boxes up at the top, okay? Okay. Go. Dang it. Ooh, I like the camaraderie. I like how you're rooting her on. One of you guys has to get the frog in there. Otherwise, we both lose. Well, no, you guys are playing against each other, but... Oh, you ran to a... You can go left and right. You guys know you can go left and right? I didn't. All right, so let's, let's go again. Okay. This time, know that you can go left and right. Oh, 
I have one more frog. I have one more frog too. Are you guys even pay attention to who's won any of these games? No. Go. Go. Now. That was your first time ever playing Frogger? Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you guys think about that one? Uh, it was difficult. Difficult? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it's an okay thing. Okay thing? Okay. What do you think, Eddie? I think it's like uh, Cross Road, Crossy but you road. don't get to change a character. And, no, okay. And you can only go a certain distance instead of trying to get the highest score as you can. Yeah, but you guys keep trying it because it sounds like you guys like it, right? You keep trying it over and over again? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Claire's gonna play another round here. Who won? Who was better at it? Me. You think you were? Me. <laughs> I think B. I got to there. Claire got the furthest, so if you're playing Crossy Road rules, Claire Claire would have won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is not Crossy Road. Try and catch the girlfriend. Oh, 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 oh! oh. oh. <laughs> well, actually, I was so close to, you know, the place, but yeah. I didn't know that you had to hop into the water. So this next game is an intense space game Ooh, I want to where you shoot things. Ooh. Ooh. It's called Galaga. It was made the same year, 1981, two years before I was born. Wow. All right. So you take turns, okay? This is Claire's turn. The only button is this first one, yep. You just try to shoot everything you can. Go back and forth. I think I've tried this game before. Think so? Yeah. That's a weird noise. Yep. Oh, go. You just shoot as much as you can. Don't stop the shooting. Make sure to dodge the bullets. My turn. How do you beat the levels? Kill all the aliens. Coins in. Watch out for those. You're not even trying to dodge the bullets. I was. Okay, well, the bullets always come right at you, so you have to go left or right when the, when they fire. My turn again. Alright, try it again? Yeah. Who won that one? Do you see the scores? No. You guys keep forgetting to look at the scores. <laughs> That's the whole point of these old games. You gotta look at the scores. I was going this way the whole time. <laughs> Alien, fear me. Wow, how are you not, <laughs> not dying? They keep hitting you, but you're not dying. Hit it. They're missing her barely. There you go. Clear past the level. Yay! Stage two. Oh, no. There's like 30 stages or something. So what? Okay. Oh, you didn't dodge those. You didn't move. I was going this Shut way up. the whole time. Ew, he spit at me. Well, this game cheats. It does. <laughs> it does. Are you guys interested in playing one more of these? or? I'll try another one. So you guys just played Galaga. Galaga. Which came out the same year as the first game, Frogger. Frogger. Um, mm-hmm. Just initial opinions. What do you think about that one? It's better. That one? It's better than Frogger. You like that one better than Frogger? What about you, Eddie? Um... I think this one is not as good as Frogger because it's just the same colors. And, like, Frogger has more stuff to do, and this one you're just shooting things. Okay. 
Another reason why I like it better than Frogger is because I won. Well, because you won. Okay. Yeah. If you if you don't worry about that, we'll, we'll get we'll get to the end and we'll talk about that later, I guess. But all right, last game. So Frogger was the first game of its kind. Galaga, though, was a sequel. It was the second game to a game called Galaxian. So this next game we're going to play... It's called Galaxian. <laughs> no, it's, it's another sequel that also came out in 1981. Mrs. Pac-Man. Oh, I Mrs. Played that. Pac-Man! I played that! It's so fun! You played Mrs. Pac-Man? Uh-huh. Okay, well, here it is. I want to play it Is first. it like Pac-Man? These so are fun. three of the most Girl. popular games, that, arcade games, that came out in 1981. So same thing, go ahead and put your coins in, a bunch of coins in. Alright, two-player game. <laughs> Oh, it's Pac-Man, but a girl. Okay, I love Pac-Man. This is like Ladybug. How do I do this? You try and get as many coins as you can, and you try to dodge. Oh, I've done this with the Google game before. And when they're blue like that, you can eat them. Oh. When they're they're not blue, you can't eat them. I made them blue again. Thank you. Technically, oh, that one was blue. That wasn't the right color blue. Okay. Wait, <laughs> Addy's turn. Addy's turn. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. You ate a ghost. That's good. Get that one. Oh, not anymore. Don't get it. Oh my gosh, my heart's racing. Oops. <laughs> I'm going to try now. I did that. Go, 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 go. Okay, get those two. Get those two. It's like a, a, what's it called? Chinese cookie or something? Oh, like a fortune cookie? Fortune cookie. Alright, so you guys played three games, arcade three games. games from 1981. Mm-hmm. Um, you just played Miss Pac-Man. Which is fun. Why well, was it fun? What do you like about that one? It's just fun. I like how it's... It's like a fill in the dots. Like, you know when you connect the dots and it makes a picture? Satisfying to get rid of everything? Yeah. Gotcha. I think I know what you mean. What about you, Adeline? What are you thinking about Miss Pac-Man? Um, I think it's funny that, like, when they, like, uh, like go, like, away from them. From and the then, ghosts? Yeah, from the ghosts. And then there's the little, like, barrier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then cool. when they you go up to it, and then it looks like you're kissing the barrier because the red <laughs> lipstick makes it look like you're. Mm-hmm. Was it fun to play? Did you enjoy playing the game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked it. You like that one? I still like Frogger better. Okay. Well, well, that's what I'm gonna ask you. So, I'm gonna give your best, your favorite game three points, your second favorite two points, and your least favorite one. So let me write this down. So Claire, out of all those games, what was your favorite game? Mrs. Pac-Man. Mrs. Pac-Man. Addie, what was your favorite game? Frogger. Frogger. Okay. Claire, what was your second favorite game? Was it Frogger or Galaga? Galaga. Galaga. Addie, was it Frogger or Galaga? I'm sorry, was it Miss Pac-Man <laughs> or Galaga? Um, Miss Pac-Man. Miss Pac-Man. And then that means your least favorite game. Although, do you still like all three of them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good. So Claire, your least favorite was Frogger, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Really? You didn't like that one? Mm-mm. Oh, that's interesting to me. Okay. It's like Crossy Road, but like an old <laughs> version, which was not a good kind of I like Ladybug better. Yeah, thank you for for pumping up Ladybug. Mm-hmm. All right, so Galaga. I remember. And last. I remember. Which one wins? Probably that. Uh, 
The answer is Miss Pac-Man got five points. Yay! Frogger got four points. Galaga got three. All right, you're back in the studio here with just me, uh, Cody, and uh, I am not gonna lie, I am tickled pink that the uh, the girls' honest opinions on those games kind of helped prove my point. Um, and that point really isn't that um, that I'm right and anybody's wrong. I just, uh, I mean, the, the, they honestly played those games for the first time, gave their honest opinions. I did nothing in my power to try and lead them in any one direction. Um, but Galaga came last. When it comes to uh, classic arcade games from the same year. Now, um, you could say that uh, I subconsciously picked other games that had kind of fun characters in Mrs. Pac-Man, who, of course, they identified with being the uh, female Pac-Man or the cute frog and frogger. Um, but you can hear my one daughter is kind of a tomboy, and she really dug the, uh, the space chip blasting aliens, too. So... Uh, I thought it was just a great all-around uh, fun night with my daughters, hearing what they had to say. Funny how they had a lot of references to modern games they play on cell phones, which of course were inspired by these classic arcade games, and uh, they kept referring to their games as the, the good one, and these as the um, kind of older, not-as-good version. <laughs> but they had fun with them. I think the, re- the real winner here is, uh, is uh, classic arcade games and fathers who like to introduce them to their daughters and see them have a good time. So I think that was really cool. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening along and hearing some of my daughter's uh, funny comments about how they were learning to play the game on the spot and were um, struggling with the controls and the concepts of these simple games that we, I'm sure at this point, take for granted how uh, how we know how they all work. And, um, you know, watching frogs jump into water and them not understanding why the frog died, which is a very accurate point, by the way. Nonetheless, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, I'll catch you next time on Cody's Corner. Goodbye from Pixel Garden. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. I want to thank my daughters for joining me for that segment. That was a lot of fun, and I promise I did not uh, guide them one way or another. Um, Hey, Eric, I noticed there's someone else on my Skype screen. Who is that? It is Tim Drew. Oh, hello. Good morning and good evening, gentlemen. How are you? We are doing we're, quite well, I believe. We are doing okay. We need more beer. But other than that, we're doing okay. You got to sup up the suds, huh? Yep. And what are you having today? I am having my traditional coffee, but not in my traditional Starbucks cup. Oh, you must have got that for Christmas. No. Because, because this is our after, after Christmas episode, Tim. <laughs> it's December 30th. That's your December 30th cup. I've got, um, I've got plenty, plenty of other mugs to drink out for Christmas. So every time uh, Tim shows up on this thing uh, without telling us, he ups his game. And now on his Skype screen here, we've got logos. We've got sanction cam. Uh, he's got a little scrolling thing of... Uh, uh, terrible expletives that Eric and I can only read. Um, something like that. I don't know. Uh, but you have upped your game yet again, my friend. I keep trying. I keep trying. You've got to push the bar, haven't you? You've got to push the boundaries. Well, Eric and I haven't, but I guess you can do it for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is time to get our drink on. Yes. Eric. Let's go. So this is all going on, guys. So what have so, you got for us this time? What I've this got this what, time. Yeah, this yeah. is what Cody handed me today. Woohoo! Looks like you're going to have a hoedown with that one. 
Exactly. <laughs> do you not? Do you guys do these over there in, in the UK at all? Uh, Growlers. Yeah, like um, flagons. We call, call them, them flagons. Okay, yeah, it's flagons, a sixty-four yeah, ounce. Normally, that's that's reserved for cider over here, not necessarily for beer. Okay. Well, in the micro scene over here, if you bring in your growler, it's called a growler. Growler. Sixty-four ounces, and you can go get that. And there's a standard rate for filling your growler with whatever beer they uh, they have on tap. Yep. Yeah. Um, Growl- growler over here is a very different vernacular, so we won't <laughs> go into that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyways, uh, we started walking our dogs. We call it dogging. I guess that's also a different term, or is that? <laughs> yeah, let's move on, Cody, quickly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you bird dogging the chicas? <laughs> we, we won't get into that either. So, uh, I this I went ahead. This is this is catching up uh, a bit early here, but I do want to point it up because we're about to drink the beer. I did go and visit one of the uh, breweries that we have had often on the show. It is one of my favorite. And this is Heretic Brewing. In fact, I have the actual growler from them, Heretic Brewing Company. Yeah. Nice. Um, so we've so a had... behind the scenes thing is I because it's COVID lockdown time is I went over Cody's to swap beers and we just we kept our masks on. We kept it real. But he handed me this growler. And I got to say, looking at the color of this, I'm a, I'm a little worried Cody's yeah. playing some kind of practical <laughs> joke because... This looks suspiciously like urine. Yeah, I was going to say bottoms up, but let's not say that. <laughs> no. So We're starting off on the wrong foot, Cody, gentlemen. I'm coming for you if this is urine. Um, <laughs> Unless it's delicious. Then I'll just delicious like, urine, right. whatever. So, um, anyways, the Heretic Ales makes some of my favorite beers, including uh, some we've had on the show. We've had um, Juicier Than Thou, I believe. Yeah, when I had, a, I had I got one a of those sent to me. That was that was lovely. Yeah, that came from this brewery here, and uh, Make America Juicy Again. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> it's delicious. Um, yeah. and they also I make uh, Mike Bang. <laughs> they, they also make You Can't Handle the Juice. Um, and actually a funny one, they, so, uh, one of those beers is a double IPA, a double hazy IPA. They also, for 4th of July, they make one called uh, 4th of Juicy, <laughs> 4th of Juicy, which is a quadruple IPA, which I can't I'm even happy. imagine. Uh, nonetheless, we went there and tried a bunch of beers that, uh, I can't get in my local store. And this is the, my favorite one that we had and it is called Agony. <laughs> And well, do you know what type? What type of beer is this? I, you, I saw you sniffing it. What? What do you think it is? It smells like a sour. It's a sour. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> it's a sour. So they're really known for their hazies, and that's why I've loved them. But they had, um, they had like five sours. I tried them all, and I, honestly, I didn't love the first four. But then we got okay. to this one. Of course, this one was the most expensive one. But yeah, uh, I loved it nonetheless. Uh, cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, uh, coffee cheers, and cheese. Two agonies. Clink there. And uh, tell me what you're thinking there, Eric. That's an interesting taste. Mm-hmm. Does it taste like the color? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. Mmm, color. Man, I can't place that flavor, though. It, I mean, it's not It's not bad at all. It tastes good. It's a good sour. Um, I it's love very it. strong, though. Is it? Is it got that initial sharp sour taste, or does it? Yes. Oh, no, it, it's it does. It's very yeah. much. In fact, it tastes a little bit like the sourdough, a little bit, yeah. although with a stronger slap you in the face. Wow, um, it's going to be strong. That sourdough, yes. Like, ooh. 
Yeah. Oh, I know. I love this. And it, actually, yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's like one of my favorite sours mixed with that, that uh, sourdough beer with that yeasty kind of thing. Yeah. But the notes you're probably picking up there, I think it is apricot and cinnamon. But okay. they are very subdued because the, the just the yeasty sour punch is so... It's pungent, got a very I creamy, like a very creamy finish. I love it. Mm-hmm. So we're going yeah, to go no, ahead and rate this thing? Stop. I do like Are you going to rate this one? Yeah. So let's rate this one. You want me to pick a rating? Yes, please do. So um, uh, let's do... Let's do... Um, hmm. Heretic Ales Agony. Yeah, Agony. <laughs> agony. <laughs> How about um, Solomon's Agonies? Or owls, because oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's the owl in agony, isn't it? The psychosis owl. That's the true. game with great graphics and eh, gameplay. Yeah. All right, you let's can... pick owls. Let's do. Um, there you go. Let's do thirty-six owls. Out of thirty-six owls, I am going to give this a thirty-three. I love it. You love it. Okay, I'm going to give it a thirty. Because I mean, again, sours aren't my great, my favorite, but it, this one's not bad at all. I like it. It's it's very got a very good finish. Based on the look, I'm going to give that a ten. I didn't ask your opinion. <laughs> it, it only tastes slightly like... Wow! We just lost our PG-13 rating. <laughs> I'm not doing it for sport. <laughs> um, Tim. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, how is your coffee going? My coffee yeah. is amazing. It's, it's always amazing. And nourishing. How do you take your coffee? Uh, through the mouth, normally. Well, you can do it other ways. <laughs> black sugar? Um, normally, first thing in the morning is black, yes. Uh, but I do have a, a, a little bit of milk in this one. Um, and then the rest of the day is um, just as it, whatever comes along, really. But okay. when I'm, as long when as it I'm comes, working, I just make a, a big vat of black coffee and just slowly drain that throughout the day. <laughs> it's it's a long day working up in, in my loft all the time. I have to admit, I take a lot of cream. I, I use creamer, like like coffee mate creamer, and I I put a lot in there. Probably twenty five percent of the of the coffee. I fill the cup up about seventy five, and the rest is creamer, and go from there. So. So, so Tim knows earlier today in the previous episode, we had an ESB. So, yeah, an extra special beer, extra special beer. Um, and that was uh, that was so, from a, a local brewery. Yep. Um, so, is that like special brew over here? Have you ever heard of special brew, Carlsberg special brew? I don't believe so. ESB. No, I thought it was. I've extra heard of Carl's. I've heard of Carlsberg though. Yeah, it's it's a lager and it's really, really, really strong. Um, no, it's oh, really. Yeah, it's 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 famous for. Um, if you drink it, you kind of like get the the violent tendencies. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Though. But, Send like, one over. Um, <laughs> but like Stella as well. You know, that's a really, really strong beer. But Special Brew is well known for that. In fact, there was. Um, uh, an 80 song dedicated to it, I think, as well. Hmm. Special brew. Well, Eric, I think it is time for us to move along, and you have a game show provided yeah, for uh, us yeah. today. If you guys are ready for that, I am ready to do this. I you am let ready me know. To go. I'm ready. Uh, we uh, Tim and I are the contestants, and Eric, if you uh, 
Go ahead and announce your game show with gusto. I'll hit the sound effect and we'll be off and on our way. So this is the Evil Gnome Co-op Game Show. So the way this the way this is going to go is that I have seven questions. So well, let me let me give you a little backstory on this. All you right. guys are walking along, and the evil gnome pops out from behind a bush and knocks you into a pit. And the pit has yogurt in it, and you splash down into the yogurt, and the yogurt. The evil gnome is up on the top, and he's laughing. He is laughing, and he's like. You must both answer these questions to get out. There's a ladder, and the ladder has exactly seven rungs on it. You must both answer these questions together. Now, every question you both get right, you Ooh, it's can, cooperative. You can get out of every every step of the ladder. Actually, every step of the ladder, you. Well, let me get. Let me back up here. Every step of the ladder, if you get, if you both get the question right. You go, you go up one rung on the ladder. Okay, okay. Okay. If you both get it wrong, you get it wrong and you're you do not you do not go up a rung. Not like $200. Yep. If one of you gets it right, you guys have 10 seconds to convince each other which one is the right answer. Uh, and okay. If you get okay. It, and if you get it right, then you go up and you can debate that here right live on the show. Okay. I like it. Okay. I like it. Um, so let me tell you this. Keep in mind, I have my evil known sound effects ready too. Do we Perfect. have to answer burger time to everything as well? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if you get out of, if you get four questions, so I have seven questions. If you get four right, you get out of the trap and you win the game. All right. Let's take down but the evil known. If you get five questions right, you push the evil gnome back into the pit and into the yogurt. Do we get yogurt! to take his pants? Yogurt! If you get six right, you get your pants back because you still don't have pants on because you, when you fell in, your pants fell off. What happened to your And if you pants? get seven of these right, world peace is achieved. Oh, let's... We're going for world peace, Tim. Yeah, we got this. Now, I did make these questions because of Christmas generosity. None of these questions are really that difficult, so I'm, I'm okay. hoping you guys get them. All right, I'm going to go ahead and start the music because uh, t- okay, tension's on now. So, first of all, the evil evil gnome is going to appear. The evil gnome has appeared. Here we go. Question number one, gentlemen. Ready. Which is not a custom Amiga chip name? A. Denise. B. Linda. C. Paula. All right, I got mine. I got mine. Do we have to write Shall it? Look? Yeah, did you guys write them? You can, I can just write show them it. to me, and I will take a look. Can you read mine? B. B. You guys both got it right. Congratulations, you have gone up one rung of the ladder. Co-optastic. Question number two. Which is not an Amiga motherboard revision name? As you know, they named all of the revision, all the boards after something. Now, which one is not the revision name? Got it. A, Junebug. B, Channel Z. C, Summer of Love. D, Spellbound. Hmm. I got mine. 
Let me know if you want me to repeat it. No, I got it. I'm gonna go with with this one. This is gonna be really hard for you to read, but here it is. That's the one you're going with? That is not an Amiga motherboard name, right? What's yours? I'm gonna go Tim? with C. C, which was Summer of Love. Okay, so you guys we disagree. Each have different answers. You need to convince each other. I went with Channel you know, Z, seconds. Tim, and you went with Summer of Love. I have no idea whatsoever. I think personally, it's it's some uh, C. I think that is correct. Which ones do you Ch- know are channel, actual names? Channel Z seems to ring. Or Z rings a bell to me. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with you because you're more Amiga luminary than I am. Okay, put it on my <laughs> shoulders. Let's go then. Let's yes. go C. Lock in the. You're going to lock in it in. C. Lock in C. Summer you of love. You guys got it right. It is C. <laughs> Summer of love. <laughs> Just so I you know, fight. it is that they named them all after B52 songs. Yes. And all of those were B52 songs, but one of them wasn't wasn't one of the boards. The June Bug was the Amiga 600. Channel Z was the 1200. That's it. And Spellbound was the CD32. CD32, yeah. Wow, though. Summer of Love was a B52 song, but it was not named after Glad the Glad Tim's on the team. I know of. They got Rock, Rock Lobster in there as well, isn't there? There is, yeah. I remember that one. Lobster. That one I would have remembered. Yeah. That was the 500. 500, yep. Here we go. Okay. I spent a lot of time in the 500. You're up two rungs of the ladder. You ready? Listen to this carefully. How many official main series Doom releases before the year 2000? Oof. A, four, B, five, C, six. Main releases. What was that again? How many official main series Doom releases before the year 2000? A, 4, B, 5, C, 6. Okay. Hmm. All right, I got my number. I, 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 would, be, I would be guessing on this. I, I can't say I know the answer. If, so if, you, if you're relatively confident, Cody, I'm going to go with you. All right, well, I'm not. Well, let's but... see what your guys' answers are. Maybe you match. Uh, so yeah, Cody that's... has that there are five, which is B. What do you have, Tim? Five. You guys got it wrong. Duh! The official the, the official number was four. Four? Okay, so let me, let me walk through this real quick, Eric. We got yep. Doom. We got Doom 2. Wait a minute, got... hold on. Doom in 1993. Yes, Doom 2, Doom Hell 2. on Earth. Final Doom. Final Doom, 1996. Doom 64. 1997. And then I was trying to figure out if Doom 3 would make it or not, and I didn't think so, but I put it in anyways, but that must have been like 2001. 2004. Ah! Doom 3 was 2004. So, you guys got that wrong, so world peace cannot be achieved. And that was also an awful game, so... You guys are playing for if you can you can get your pants back here if you can get six right. Are you guys ready? Aww. <laughs> can we get a vaccine thrown in as well? <laughs> a vaccine is that well? We'll get back to normal. We're trying to get back to normal now. All right. Here's a good one for you guys. You ready? In 1984, there was an arcade game named Peter Pepper's Ice Cream Factory. What was it a spinoff from? I have an answer for you. Guys, show me your answers when you are ready. I'm ready. Tim? 
You guys got it correct. Woo! <laughs> Tim Tim! Uh, so, so the answer was burger time. The answer was burger, <laughs> answer was burger time. <laughs> just, just to clarify. I guess I should have said that, Tim. See, I'm a horrible game show host. Peter Pepper. Okay, so one more. You get one more and you win the game. And then you're just going to try to achieve bonus points after this. You ready? Yeah, we want to yeah. distribute vaccines here. Here's the here's the question. So you think you know everything about Burger Time now, right? (laughs) (laughs) What was the original name of the Japanese release in English, please? Oh, wow. No, no multiple choice. Just boom. No, No multiple choice in this one. So you think you know everything about Burger Time. What was the original name of the Japanese release in English? I'm sorry. Lockdown. Lockdown's going to stay in order. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm going to come up with my own here. I'm totally guessing, but here we go. I'm going to go with that. Okay. I'm, I'm break have to with Cody's answer because I've got nothing. I can't remember. I, I heard it once or twice, but I came so up with don't... I came up with breakfast run because it sounds appropriate. But the official. So you guys locking in Cody's answer? Yeah. Yep. Sure. The name of the game in Japan was Hamburger. (laughs) Awesome. So you guys don't get your pants back one way or another. My second guess was hot dog. You still haven't won yet, though. You got to get one more to win. You guys ready? Ready. Baby spice. Oh. Still want more? Yes. Still want more. What is the name of the official Burger Time sequel? And I have multiple choice for you. You ready? Oh, thank God. What was the name of the official Burger Time sequel? A. Hamburger Hamburger. B. Super Burger Time. C. Mega Fantastic Burgers! Exclamation point. D. Pickles Galore. You love my handwriting here, Eric. Are you ready, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, Show them at the same time here. I'm going with C. C was... You picked Mega Fantastic Burgers exclamation point, and Cody picked Super, Super Burger, Burger Time. Time. So, so one you guys of us have different answers, so you still have a chance. Is one of us right other. though? One of us is right. That means right. One of yes, one of you is correct. Please right. fight, <laughs> fight. <laughs> so Tim, it, com- it comes down to is Eric. Is this is like a crazy, bizarre trick question, or is it as simple as Super Burger Time, which makes sense. Or I he think, think we're going to think, think... it's going to be... Uh, it's, it's, to me, it's the, the Japanese style, so I'm going to go with something with an exclamation point on the end of it. All right, we went with you before, and it worked out for us. You guys need to need to have a have a um, consensus, though. You guys have to both agree what the answer is. I think, it, I think Eric's pulling a double duper on us. I think it's super burger time. I think it's simple. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to go with you then, Cody. We're going with super burger time this time, Eric. Locked in? Locked in. in. The Final answer, answer is B. Super Burger Time. <laughs> Teamwork. You guys have won Teamwork. the game. You hold on, I got the trap and win the game. Now, hold on, I hear the yep. gnome. I hear the gnome. I'll get you next time, Pixel Gun. <laughs> I want to thank uh, our boy Doug from 10 Minute Amiga Retrocast again for creating yep. these on an Amiga. These amazing sound effects of him, I mean, a gnome. Now. <laughs> Guys, I have one more question left, which will get you to, you can push the evil gnome back into the pit, into the yogurt. Let's do it. So now you can have retribution. You guys ready? Yeah. Final question. This is the final question. Okay. Sega 
liked to give projects code names based on our planets. I already have my answer. An example, Mars was the 32X. Venus was the Nomad. What was the code name for Sega Game Gear? No multiple choice. What was... Because there's only so many planets. (laughs) What was the code name for Sega Game Gear? I, I I can't I can't say I know this one, but I'm just going to go for comedic value. <laughs> <laughs> the brown right. planet. I got mine. Okay, guys, show show them to me. He says Jupiter. Tim, what do you pick? I already know Uranus. what Tim said. He went for yeah Uranus. <laughs> he went for comedic value. I'm gonna I'm, yeah I'm gonna go for Uranus. <laughs> Uranus. Uh, okay, so neither we, of you got it. No, right. that's not good. The answer was Mercury. 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 All right. Well, that's there a game show. So, you guys won, though. It's congratulations. Woo! You guys won. You got out of the trap. The even number is alive and well for the next game. Mm, well know. done, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. I, that was brilliant. <laughs> I kind of want to do a co-op game, like because I love co-op board games. So that was good. That's that great good. fun. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> That was What's our Christmas next, present. Uh, I think it's time for us to uh, catch up. Catching up with Eric and Cody. So we all have the first item here together on catching up. If you'll notice my notes. And yes. What, and what was that, uh, Tim? It was the uh, Nintendo Game and Watch. Absolutely. Super Mario Brothers reboot color screen thing. And it showed up. We all have ours. We do. In um, fact, I haven't even opened mine yet. Oh, really? I got really? it right here. Zoop, zoop. You yeah, still have I it, right, Tim? It still, still remains unopened. I've resisted the temptation. <laughs> even, even after Christmas? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You're not one of those collectors power. that just puts it on the on the wall to try to make it more valuable over time. <laughs> so the the interesting thing is, I got two of these, and uh, I'm giving one to my wife because this is big. She's big into this game, so oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, cool. I, I, this one's mine though. So <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> so uh, I got it, and everything I read online was true about it. What they said about it. However, there's mm-hmm. one thing they omitted. And I talked about okay. this online a bit. And to be honest, I, I shouldn't complain that much, but it really bummed me out. Um, you, you guys have an original Game & Watch, the real ones? I don't have one, but no, I've seen I've, many of them. I've, I've pl- I had them back in the day, but I've not got any now. So the concept of the Game & Watches is, is twofold. One is you have a small portable game, and two is you have a small shelf-mounted watch or yeah. clock. Well, the way that works is there's a cheap, like, one-cent piece of metal that folds out that becomes a kickstand, so you can put it on the on a shelf or whatever, and you always see the time. It's always displayed. This has not... this Everything about this looks exactly like a Game & Watch. It's beautiful, except, of course, the color screen is nicer, but the little kickstand is not there. No. And so you can't just open it and put it on the watch, on the, on the shelf. Also... I was thinking in my head, like, how are they going to have its pretty color screen, like, stay lit all the time and keep battery? So in my mind, I'm like, maybe they go, like, it goes black and white eventually or does something. 
Uh, no, it just turns off after a few seconds of you not using it. So it, it is not a Game & Watch. It is a game. I was going to say, I didn't know how the Game & Watch, the original ones worked, but now that now that you explain it that way, it makes sense that, that they're on all the time. So the battery's wearing out all the time, but it only has like a little, like the time on there or something. Yeah. Um, no, the, these definitely, they're just turn off. I mean, you... A game. So on my wall, I have like five, uh, four, four or five uh, Game & Watches, and this was going to be the next one. Yeah, and this was going to be. Can I, I always keep batteries in them because they always have the time showing, and they always, you know, have a little demo screen running constantly. And so I thought this would do something similar. Even if it came with a little AC adapter, I could plug in so it's always working. That'd be fine, but it doesn't do that. And honestly, that was my main purpose for this. So I'm, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to uh, try to be a, a grump about it, but I'm a little bummed out about it. But as a physical piece of hardware, it's gorgeous, and the games and everything on it are are gorgeous. And I love the clock function where Mario runs around and plays with the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I've played this quite a bit, and I'm, I'm, I'm not really that great at Super Mario Brothers, but I've been having a lot of fun with it, and I love that it, I love that you're playing and you can just turn it off, and it will be right where you left off. Like you can come back, turn it on, right where you left off, and that, that's important to me as, as I get little tiny windows of game time. I'm. But I've been really enjoying it, and I, I do think it's a pretty cool-looking device. Yeah, yeah. I think um, a lot of what Cody said kind of rang true to me because I can remember <clears throat> the original Game & Watches and having it sort of like on the side um, as, as your, as your um, you know, a clock on your, on your um, uh, nightstand or something along those lines. It was really cool. And that's kind of what bummed me out a bit. And one of the reasons why I haven't opened that up is because it was going to be sort of like sat beside me. Um, and you know, it was going to be like a nice little display piece with the little clock going and all that sort of thing. And I thought, well, okay, they've kind of, um, it's not, not really what part of the, um, device is, you know, is, is meant, meant to have that watch element to it. So I was a little bit disappointed. Um, and you know, you've got a lot of ways that you can play Mario these days. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of missing a trick there, I think, especially as it's, you know, taken really as it's a game and watch. Um, so come on, Nintendo, get it sorted. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a, a, like a, a niggling issue, but really for, for what I wanted it for, it really isn't. Um, and the solution I would recommend is put that one cent piece of metal back in there so you can prop it up. But more importantly, even if we have to uh, add a just a port on the side and I can buy my own AC adapter, that's fine. The goal is I want to have a clock. That's, I bought it to be a clock um, yeah, more right. than a game device. And so if I could put my own AC adapter in there with uh, 9 volts or 3 volts or whatever they use, I don't know. Just plug it in the side to let it run. That works for me. So yeah, who knows? So you had some adventures trying to get yours as well, didn't you, Cody? Yeah, Best Buy failed me, and eventually I bought it somewhere else. And then when it came in, I just said, no, nah, you guys can keep it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. um, I pre-ordered it. I stayed up, and uh, the, the night it was released, I was on it within minutes and got it pre-ordered and made sure. And you guys both got your orders in before I did. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and I just went to a store, and like I literally, there were so many there, I just picked it up and then... Um, I ordered it from a uh, Walmart here and got another copy in cause I'm going to give it as a gift. So, <laughs> yep. Good stuff. But I called, I called Cody from uh target. I texted him. I was like, dude, I'll just pick you up one. Don't wait for this best buy thing. It's never going to happen, dude. 
Yeah, and eventually that's had, what had, I did. He had already got one, so. Yeah. Eric, what is this Scion Series 5 nonsense? I mean. Yeah, so this is a little <laughs> thing, a Series 5 that I got. Um, what? It is, it is a new um, note keeper that I'm doing, but I also found it plays games, and it actually plays pretty good games. But this thing is really interesting. So, like, the way it opens, like, it's one of these PDA kind of things, but you open it and the keyboard slides out. You see that? So, is it a brand so new no, device or new to you? No mechanism. No, this is oh, a no. one. Yeah, this is very old. Oh, okay. Um, there we go. I think this came out in what? Um, I was kind of going to look that up, but I, I forget the it's exact. Early 2000s, isn't it, that one? Oh, this one, I think it might even be that earlier is. than that. Is it? I think I thought it was, like, 90s, but... Um, it it actually plays some pretty decent games. You, you know, you might be right, uh, Tim, but it when I went looking for games, it has Tetris, it has SimCity. Um, there's probably like 200 games that you can download and put on this thing. And I, I haven't really gotten into it, but um, I've been using it. I took all my notes for the shows. I took all my notes for the show on this thing because the keyboard is actually, if you look at it, like the keyboard is really usable. That's really cool. It almost looks like a, mean, it, a large Nintendo DS, but with a keyboard and then you have the like olive and black, almost like a higher yeah. resolution Game Boy screen. Yep. And it has a stylus that comes out and it's got a touch screen. So you can like, you know, move your cursor around using that. And the keyboard is actually quite usable. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a little cramped, but it's cool. It's like, yeah, like, so, like a laptop keyboard. Uh, that was 1997. 1997 wow. yeah and then there was a later version in 1999 so we were both close and the yeah. batteries are still working on that thing yeah the batteries so it just takes double a's oh i love it so you just put double a's in there they la- i when i put this in when i got it i haven't changed them yet and it's about half empty now and i, I use it every day i type like my notes for the show i typed all my notes for the show on it and the cool thing is that it has a CF card in it, so that's what it uses for its quote-unquote hard drive. So you can take that CF card out, put it on a PC, and there's this little utility that came with it on CD-ROM. It's called SciWin, and it still installs on even modern machines, and it will convert them to Word documents. So I took all my notes off today, and I printed them out you know, from my notes so I can read them on real paper and... It it printed out and they formatted just fine. So, can you get um, new software on there as well? Can you um, like the the original Scions? You got the like the little memory packs. How do you get new software onto those? You so nowadays you can just download the binaries for the for whatever software you want and you put it on the CF card. And there's a little hack program that you can download and you just double click on it. And it just adds it to the it adds it to the menu and you can so just how would launch it. Have been done back in the day then. Would you, 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 you have to use a Windows machine and a CD-ROM and a cable. You basically load the CD-ROM and there's a utility that says, hey, add and remove programs, and it just pushes it over the cable. Right, okay. It's like an RS-232 cable. Yeah. So the game, oh, and I use, the stuff that come on a CD-ROM then. That's correct. And that, um, I use this to connect to a BBS. And it was of course you did. <laughs> like I could connect it and I, I sent a message and it worked great. My beer is gone already. I, this stuff goes down like juice. I love it. Yeah, I still got some left, but if you're ready for the next one, just let me know. No, wait, I'll wait for you. Tim, you got some uh, some information. We talked about this in news, but you got your hands on it, so. I did, yes. I got um, from the Future Was 8-Bit um, the Kung Fu Flash. 
So this is a new uh, Commodore 64. Well, it's, it's not new as in um, it's not new as in a, a brand new future was eight bit exclusive product. Um, this is a, a, a cartridge that's been developed um, and it's been out there for a little while. Um, but um, Nick uh, Rod, Rod, sorry, has been looking at it um, and decided he wanted to go with it. Um, he's created his own version of the board. Um, so it's not quite the same as the, the version that's on, uh, I think it's on GitHub, um, because it's an open source product. So you can download all the schematics for it, make your own PC, uh, PCB, um, get it all, you know, do it all yourself. And there's quite a few places that are actually doing this. Um, but, uh, with obviously with the future was eight bit, he's, uh, customizes, the uh, cartridge shells that he produces and he's actually milling them themselves uh, himself so he's got like the cartridge slot and the uh, three buttons on the top of the cartridge so he's doing all of that himself um, and finishing off the board and all that sort of stuff so it's going in there um, and yeah so it's a uh, uh, for the want of a better word, it's a, a cartridge that will help you to load cartridges. Um, so you've got your <laughs> C- CRT images, um, and these are these can be sort of games uh, from now and from the past. So cartridge files, so cartridge games. Um, so some of the old school stuff, like the uh, Ocean cartridges that came out when the C64 GS came along. Um, and the earlier stuff, so international soccer, like everyone had that on the Commodore 64, I think. Um, Wizard of War and, uh, many, many other cartridges. Uh, but one cool thing is, is that this is also compatible, uh, kind of with the Easy Flash standard. Okay. Uh, um, so you can download a little program, um, and then you can build up, um, an Easy Flash, uh, menu. So a CRT menu, and you can throw cartridge files into that up to 16K. Um, you can throw program files into it as well. Um, and you can build up a big, long um, CRT file with loads of games and utilities and all that sort of stuff in it. Um, the other advantage is that you can make this cartridge also be a freezer cartridge because you have a special button uh, so the third button is a special button and that essentially is the freezer button. Um, so if you've got, uh, if it's running like as a super snapshot or the action replay, um, you press the third button and that turns into a freezer cartridge. Um, so you've got, it can do so many different things. It can load D64 files um, as well uh, through the menu so you can uh, play games the only thing it doesn't do there's two things that are a bit of a bummer at the moment which is uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't work with ntsc mm-hmm. devices unfortunately um, that's a big one that's that's coming along soon um, and it doesn't work very well with multi-load uh, C64 games. So if you've got, um, more than one disc, that sort of thing, then it's, uh, it doesn't really handle that side of things. But its main trick really is obviously the, the cartridge side of things. And it is just so good, uh, for the money. It's just so, so convenient and so nice. Um, do you want to actually see the device itself, guys? Sure thing. Sure. That it's a pretty little thing. Um, yeah. We've been looking really at online like pictures it of it and stuff. And, um, Honestly, I think the thing that has me hinging on whether or not I want to buy one of these, obviously, once it becomes NTSC, uh, 
the main thing is uh, Rod does promise on his ad that it comes with green jelly. And I want green jelly. <laughs> so the, uh, the cartridge shell at the moment is the uh, jelly green color. <laughs> yes, it looks great. Yeah. So cool looking. Um, we've got, so this is another thing that um, you don't get with some of the other Kung Fu flashes that are available, um, is you get uh, the uh, Future Was 8-bit obviously created a nice little uh, slip Leave. cover for the cartridge as well with the uh, original Future Was 8-bit um, artwork on there. Um, so this is the, so at the top of the cartridge, um, again, sorry, everyone listening, this is very visual. <laughs> I'll try and I'll try and do as much as I can. Um, so on the top of the cartridge, you've got a, uh, a micro SD slot. So that is, yeah. uh, can you, can you, you might be able to hear that. Yeah. Where you click to release. So click clicky clicky. Yeah. Yep. Um, nice. then you've got, uh, three buttons. So there you've got the special button reset and the menu. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The menu lights up, doesn't it? Yeah. So the uh, the menu the menu button lights. Uh, sorry, is it the menu? Uh, no, it's the reset button lights up. I think that one's that one's the the light up button. Um, also, there's some mer- Kung, Kung Fu Flash merchandise available. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it's going to get its own little. Uh, so we've got a, uh, a coffee coaster. Yes, nice. That so looks good. I like the colors on that. There is a mouse mat. Of course, Ooh. nice. Yeah. That actually is a really cool looking mouse with mat the, there. With the, with the, um, so it's basically got a, a cartoon style uh, emu and rod hull. Which is that is what that is? Very, the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's very, very British. It's a British TV program. Um, and uh, the, in the background, you've got uh, the pink windmill, which so is, um, again, a, a back reference to the, uh, to the, t- the TV program. So we were trying to, I was trying to make that out. And when I saw the guy doing, it looked like a crane kick. And then I'm like, oh, maybe the bird's a crane? Crane. No, that's an emu. (laughs) (laughs) No idea. I'll have to look that one up off air, I guess. I know what an emu is, but I don't know why it has to do with Kung Fu. Yeah, well, it's it's, it doesn't really. It's it's the character Rod Hull, which is um, kind of like what um, Rod's... um, pseudonym is um that's what he goes by and it's all all back reference feel free to 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 look rod hull up on youtube and you'll see um some of the the old tv programs that he did um going back to this one so it's available now on the future was 8-bit website and i think it is around about 45 pounds there are cheaper versions out there that's for sure um but uh obviously you're getting the the future was 8-bit fit and finish on the cartridge um and you know, the merchandise that goes along with it. And this one also comes with, I believe, um, an eight gig, um, micro SD card. Oh, very cool. Nice. So again, that is great. That's, that's an, that's another differentiator. So, you know, that's five, six pounds just there. So I like it. There we go. That's the Kung Fu flash. What's next guys. And if I pick one up, I might load it with a uh, grid picks, which is a game I completed. It's <laughs> my transition. Nice um yep so i finished grid picks and this is the part where cody likes to show off uh i also did make up on my promise to go back and finish doom 64 which we played in the battle of the systems last episode right and i have not last episode but last last month month's episode um i did not get back to power slave yet but man i love that game too so yeah those are two great games yeah really what, what is grid picks 
It's that uh, a Picross game that was Picross, released. That's right, and it also yeah, that's what is I thought. included in that. Um, uh, as we read in the news for Tim, that um, uh, was it Badger Soft. What was it called? Badger Badger, Badger Punch. Punch. <laughs> Badger Punch Soft. Yeah, holiday the, bundle yeah, for five dollars. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Eric, what have you been playing? I got two Switch games I've been playing. I I picked this up. I actually picked the physical version oh, of Trials pretty. of Mana. I've been wanting to get that. And it's cheap now. I mean, it's like nineteen ninety nine. So I picked this up for nineteen ninety nine, and I've played through about two hours of it so far through the tutorial. And it it really is pretty well done for a remake of that, a three D remake of Trials of Mana. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to getting through that. I mean, not that I have a lot of time for an RPG, and since I got Cyberpunk this month too, it's like oh, I'm trying to find time for gaming. But um, yeah, so it's. I thought it's a good one. Um, and then I got Tiny World Racing, which I did pick up for a buck ninety nine, and I had some coins in my Nintendo account, so I literally paid like 35 cents for yep. it or something. Oh, they didn't um, even cover it? <laughs> they didn't cover it, no. Um, and listen, for that much money, it's it's a fun little game, but I found it to be a little repetitive, um, and I got through the tracks pretty quick. I mean, I, I got through all the tracks on the game, which they give a lot of tracks. Yeah. Um, it, it is, it, it lacks a lot of polish that I was hoping for in a, in a kind of top down little racer like that. Um, it's almost like it's, it's hard to explain. Like, it's almost like it's an unfinished, I mean, it plays well, it plays great, but it, it's kind of easy and it's, and it's a little repetitive because there's not much going on. I've noticed that a lot about a lot of the switch games that are under like five bucks on the eShops. Yeah, they, they look good. They'll draw you in. They go on sale for dirt cheap. You play them, and for the first twenty minutes, you're like, "Wow, this was a great deal." And then yeah. an hour later, you're like, "Nothing has changed since I started." And either beat the game, or else you just get like, "Okay, I, I got it. It's a one trick pony kind of a thing." And yeah, not and it's bad. not like not- I did. I didn't really beat the game, but I was got to the point where like, well, it's just I'm I'm coming in first, and you know me, I'm not the greatest gamer in the world, so I was like, okay, I'm coming in first almost every time on all these tracks as I go. So it's like, well, just got kind of monotonous. Yep. So it, it, listen, I was really looking forward to it and I did get some fun out of it. I mean, it's a fun little game and I think it would be even f- more fun with more players, you know, cause then you get that competitive. Thing yeah. A lot going. of that, at that point you have built in AI, if you want to call it that or something Correct. that makes it more. Com- yeah, exactly. I felt that way so, about a uh, bridge strike as well. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of same, kind of same thing. It was really fun up front and then you just kind of been like, okay, okay. And, and, Yep. So what was that um, top-down racer you were talking about? Um, God, I can't remember the name of it. Do you know the one coming out probably next year? It's I don't recall off the top of my head by Square Enix, but it got pushed back. I did look into that. Square Enix. Yeah, Yeah, and it was really cool. I think it's going to be like 20 bucks. um, Really fleshed out top-down racer, but uh, they did push it back, and I apologize for not having the name available right right now. No, that's okay. Is that going to be a Switch title, is it? Yeah. I believe that one is going to be a Switch title, but they have not finished building that game yet. However, I know someone who did finish building a thing. Yes, that's right. I actually built something from <laughs> almost from scratch. So, um, where is it? It's around here somewhere. Hang on a second. Well, you got to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to throw you a softball like that, you got to be ready. So, I built uh, just something really, really sim- simple. Uh, it's a um, Commodore 64 to Sega pad uh, converter. So, okay. 
There it is. Um, it's very, yes. very simple, just a simple open source PCB. Um, I bought it as a kit, uh, but it's something that I completely soldered myself. Um, <laughs> never, never really gone. Uh, I've done bits and pieces of soldering before, um, but I've never sort of like done a, a project from from bare board with components and soldered everything up. So yeah, I was quite proud of that. It's um, I tried to make it as neat as possible. Um, yeah and got all, got all the switches on but this one's quite neat because um it allows you uh to either use it in c64 or amiga mode um you can also uh, map the um second button either to up or fire so obviously yep. you've got the the uh, button two will jump in so jump for up um yeah, so it's it's a neat little device, um, and yeah, it's just something I built, and I was I was quite proud of that. I had this right next to me, so I didn't go looking for this, Tim. But this is the one I didn't make this, but I bought the I bought it. It's the it's the sixty four JPX, which does the, exactly the same thing. I don't think it has as many features that you listed off. Yep, but it it does the same thing. It allows it so that you can use a Mega Drive pad and not screw up your C sixty four and and. It, and you hold like a direction button and hit button and it puts it into a different mode so that up is like, you can hit the other button for jump. Yeah. Um, So it does, it does some of the similar things, but man, I've had this thing for years. I mean, I'm serious. I've had this, I think eight years. Yeah. And it somehow doesn't get lost, which everything else in here does. But well, this one um, actually had to do some, some slight modifications on, I don't know if you can see that or not. Um, uh, The deep, the D uh, nine way D ports um, have the, the two sort of like hex screws on the side um, mm-hmm. and you have to mo- in, in brackets, modify it or get a, um, a hacksaw to it basically <laughs> to the, <laughs> the D port um, to modify it. So it will go into an a 600 because the a 600 yep. ports are so close together. Um, so you have to, you know, modify it for that one. But yeah, it, it wasn't too bad. Um, it came, came out all right. And, you know, I think I'm probably going to do another one of those at some stage because uh, that's bound to get lost in the in the, yeah. <laughs> in the I, I, I've, I have lost mine and then it it reappears after several months. And yes. then, <laughs> the so. evil no comes along and takes your joystick convert. Ah, exactly. <laughs> I so, love yeah. I love soldering something from a, from if you want to call it scratch or from a kit and uh, right. So I know that I I even if something comes in the kit form. And by the time I get it all built, it's the same cost as something already built. I will do the kit form because it's just so satisfying. So much uh, fun. My favorite project I did like that is when I was re- rebuilding a pinball machine. Mm-hmm. Um, they had brand new LED um, displays. And you need four of them because there are well, actually five of them. Four scores and one for the for the overall game information. And uh, it was like $300 pre-built or like 129 for parts. Yeah, and so I bought the parts, and it was probably like eight hundred solder points, and every single one worked right right as, as soon as they were done. But they were nice, yeah. big, chunky; they're hard to screw up. But just yeah. doing that all day. Although I will admit, I learned why you don't inhale solder flume, solder fumes that night. Yes, <laughs> I went to bed quite nauseous halfway through that project. And that's when I opened the garage door and got a fan and made sure to hold my breath when I was directly over the solder. So yeah, especially yeah, if, could... if you're using rosin core as well, solder, you, you definitely need to. Uh... <laughs> yep. 
Learn for about me, that. like I get really close too, because my eyesight tends to be bad close up. So like I get really close and then all the fumes are coming up. So I've and been in that same situation. <laughs> then your eyesight gets even better. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I built something. Um, and uh, there's another, another guy that we know, one of our supporters, Doug, who, who, who builds a lot of stuff, doesn't he? Does he build a lot of stuff? I know he, uh, he's done some fixing lately and that's where I heard, got a little trick from him. Um, he, uh, had a and i've been looking into fixes for this and i could not find the fix so on a whim i saw that he uh used a ray carlson hack a ray carlson uh who was known for fixing all kinds of commodore 64s and putting all his tips and tricks online and i didn't even know this existed but when i got the big lot of commodore boards um update by the way i think i've fixed seven boards now out of the 15 that were in there, and I yeah. think that is honestly going to be the end of the ones I can fix because the other boards have missing chips or they've been destroyed or rusty or whatever. But so that's a pretty good ratio, seven out of fifteen. Um, but two of them were these really old boards from like 1982, and everything worked fine, everything passed tests, but the color on my screen just always looked really dark. Yeah. And especially the initial screen, which is light blue on dark blue, which I don't know why Commodore ever made that choice, but it's light blue on dark blue to start up. Um, you could hardly tell the difference between the two colors. And um, I couldn't figure out why, and I just figured it was an old board. I didn't know what to do. And it turns out Doug found this trick from Ray Carlson, and those original boards came with the wrong resistor on the board. Like, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of thousands of these things, I'm sure, were made. And so he, he uh, found the original schematics, and somebody found out that uh, they put a 100-ohm uh, resistor in, in this location instead of a 320-ohm resistor. So uh, Doug showed me you simply solder a 220-ohm resistor, right, just piggyback right on top of the other one. You don't even have to take out the original resistor. And then you got the correct resistance, and everything brightens up and looks beautiful. And sure enough, I did that, and it worked. And it was the easiest most satisfying soldering project I've done of recent note. And I did it to two Commodores. And so they (laughs) are looking gorgeous now and I'm very happy about it. So were they, um, the really early ones where they, that had, uh, what was it? Just the five port, uh, five pin port on the back. No, no, I I did have one of those with the fancy original cart and the silver badge and the whole thing. Um, I never got that one working. Um, so rather than hack it up per your advice, Tim, I just kind of kept it original. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did have two other Commodores that had non-matching serial numbers and everything, and they did have 82 boards in them, but they were not the original five pin. They were, um, they were newer, but they still had that issue. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. Eric, you've been playing some Pico 8 again. Yeah. I've been, I've been getting really back into Pico 8 quite a bit and, um, I found these two games uh, online. One is one is Tetraminus Defect, which is um, a Tetris game that is more like the modern Tetris games that have the zone feature where it slows time down, so you can. So yep. and it's pretty much just that game Tetris. So there's not much to talk about other than it's very well done, so you can play it. But the game that's been taking a lot of my time lately is <clears throat> High Stakes. Yeah, which I am loving this game, and it. Every night when I go to bed, I play like about six or seven rounds of this. I, I, I love it. And it's it's basically like kind of a themed vampire gambling card game. 
and it is, you know, a lot of luck is involved with, with, and skill, but I don't know if you figured out the rules and everything or needed any tips or whatever, Cody, but I'll oh, try I to do. get that, <laughs> get it to you because I'm loving the game. I love it. I play it every night and then you can keep, you can unlock different levels where you gamble a lot more of, and, and the currency in the game is your blood. Yep. So you're like <laughs> you spending milliliters of your blood, but the game is basically a grid of like nine cards and there's, sing- you, there's only one of each card in the deck. It's two through nine. And then the vampires, number 10. So they're all face down. You don't see them. And you turn one over. I mean, there's one turned over when the game starts. And then there's like two little, there's these things that are called chits. They're basically, they tell you, they're on top of the cards. And they tell you, hey, this is a plus seven or a plus five. And it means the card is either a five or above. And so you start getting these um, percentages like, okay, well, if it's a plus five, I probably have a good chance of turning it over. and It's not the vampire because you don't want to turn it over and it's the vampire. So you do that. And then through process of elimination, since you know that you can only do one card of each, if you know or can guess where the vampire is, you can just stake him and then you get a bunch of bonus points and you win or you can just pass. And then when you pass, you get a negative two two negative two milliliters, but you can also just keep flipping cards over and, and get more points as you flip them over. And I, I just, the risk reward thing, cause there will be rounds you lose just because you, 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 you pushed, you pressed your luck too much. Um, but I, I love the game and it is very well balanced, very, very fun to play. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 I love the game. So if you guys can, are playing Pico eight, try high stakes and give it a roll. So I, I did play both of these games, and yeah, the Tetris game was absolutely just yeah Tetris with those few tweaks that make it that much better. Yeah, so really, it's kind of a demake, but it's a solid Tetris game. Yeah, uh, honestly, nothing I'll probably go back to, but it was solid. And I played High Stakes, and I want to love it, but it's not clicking with me. And I think you just mentioned a couple things there I didn't know. Yeah. Um, to me, it felt like Minesweeper, which I've never clicked with Minesweeper because multiple times during Minesweeper, you get to the point where you just have to make a guess. You have to make you can guess, just completely yeah. and, guess and wrong. And, and they, they make, the, in the explanation for this game, they make it say, hey, this is a gambling game. Like, you know, there is there is sometimes when you, you're you just guessing, but you don't have to guess. You can just pass on your round. And you'll That's get what some I did points. not know. That's what I did not know. So I kept, like, every time yeah. I'd win two in a row, I'd lose three, and I just can't keep my blood in my body. <laughs> yeah, so you remember, you can pass, and then, you know, let's say you flip over mm. a seven and a seven and eight and a nine. And then you have, you get, whenever you unlock rows of cards, like three across or three down, you get another you get an extra like bonus kind of thing. That'll show you if it's greater than or less than next to it. Yep. And let's say you get one and it's a plus nine. Well, you know, that's the vampire. So you need to stake it immediately. See, I didn't know you could you, do that. You I thought you just exactly had to guess all the other cards. Yeah. So there's little tips and tricks, but remember this game is a gambling <laughs> game. So eventually you're going to be like tempted to press your luck and, and and guess but anyway if you get it just get it it's a great game just learn how to play it and just enjoy it it's it's i love it price is hard to beat yeah exactly <laughs> um i kept playing pico 8 games as well as those and i also fell into a game called cards with personality yeah it took me a while to get to this game because the, the the name is so lame <laughs> yeah right have you um tim do you do board games at all uh not really 
No, okay. Other than ones that I kind of like sit and play as a family together with Danica, and there's simple things like Game of Life and that sort of stuff. Monopoly. Oh, there's so much good stuff out there. You, you really need yeah. to get there. But um, uh, Tim or Eric, have you played um like the Star Realms games or Hero Realms? I have. I've played Hero Realms, and I I loaded this up for the first time today. The cards with personality. Okay. And it, it took me a while to figure it out because I I I haven't played those games a lot. Those card okay. games that you're talking about. So if you um, know those games, this game will start clicking. I, I, the instructions yeah. didn't seem to be great, but once I figured out that's what this game was, it just kind of worked. Um, okay. But basically, th- those game it, it's a it's a peak weight version of like Star Realms, and I loved it. Um, where basically. You have a deck of 10 cards. You start with uh, five cards that give you $1 to spend in the shop. And you have five cards that give you an attack of one. And you're essentially trying to kill the other, uh, the boss on the other side of the play field. And um, you have this row down the center of cards that you can buy. And if you buy them, they go into your deck. They get shuffled into your deck. So when you run out of cards, your deck gets reshuffled. And now those cards are in there. So you're, it's a deck building game. And you're basically trying to figure out what cards you want to buy that will eventually become either attack or shields against the enemy attacking you or in that row, which is not like star realms <clears throat> enemies will appear. And as long as the enemies stay in the shop, the row, they will attack you for one hit every single turn. Um, so you and have to decide, red, right? They have the little red number. Cause I correct. couldn't quite figure that out. Okay. Correct. And then if you kill them, not only do they go away, but they, each specific, uh, en- uh enemy you kill will give you a bonus when you kill it. But then it will be replaced with another card, which could be another enemy, or it could be another card you could buy. Um, I, I don't need to go into all the details, but I put about four or five hours into this game and beat all the bosses and completed this one as well. And I plan to do the same with high stakes once I get the hang of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but absolutely love that game. Well, I'm, now that you told me that, I'm going to get into it because I couldn't... Like if they're yellow, then they're just they're just cards to buy, right? Yep, exactly. Gold. And if they're red, though, they're the enemies, and that's why I was getting dinged. The they, the boss doesn't really ding you, does he? The boss will attack you ever so many turns, depending on what the boss is. Okay. Yep. Okay. You just kind of have to look for the icons, but okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back into that game because I enjoyed it, but I was I felt like I only half knew how to play it. Yep, that's exactly and same with me and the other one, your game. So. I think uh, it's going to have to be one of my New Year's resolutions um, is to get into some Pico 8 stuff. I've still not got a set up going yet, but um, I'm, I'm sure going to have do. to do it because I'm just missing out on so much good stuff. Sure there's, so many gotta, free, there's so many free games. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. You guys playing this stuff and I'm, I'm like, I'm just sat here. I, I can't play this at the moment. It's so frustrating. I've, yeah, I've got Raspberry Pi 400. Yeah. You literally I, just I, add a controller I, I, and you're done. Yeah. I, I I will get it sorted. I will get it sorted. Because <laughs> frankly, the my Raspberry Pi 400. That's all I've been playing like high stakes on. Because it's a nice big screen and it's it's the perfect it's the perfect setup for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we already briefly mentioned that, that I went actually with my wife uh, in the uh, in the convertible to Heretic Ales. So that's in Fairfield. It's about an hour from here. We got the beer Eric and I just tried, um, and I picked up a new keg for New Year's. We're going to try not to tap it until New Year's, but. Um, oh, nice! But uh, got got a new keg to fill up my uh, my kegerator, so I'm stoked about that. Um, but Tim, you've also updated an area in your house, not I with have. a keg. <laughs> <laughs> not not with a keg. No, 
Um, yeah, in our living room, I've managed to carve out a, a bit of a, a retro corner downstairs as well now. So I'm slowly converting the whole house. Love it. <laughs> as much as my wife will let me anyway um but yeah it's kind of um a, a bit of a covid thing more than anything i'm up, up here in my workspace up in the loft where i've got all my retro stuff which is nice uh, but i'm up here most of the day uh, at the moment so it's nice to just have a bit of an area downstairs where i can just go down of an evening and just relax and i've just set some consoles up so i've got no um you know micros down there it's just a console zone um so i've got my mega cd uh got my pc engine uh got the saturn um i've got playstation playstation 2 um and i've uh another another thing that i've um done which we'll mention in a bit um and yeah so it's it's a nice little area i've got a, a nice sony crt down there um so everything's all hooked up now uh it's all ready to go so i've uh, just been uh using my um Mega Drive, EverDrive cartridge a fair bit as well. So I've been nice. going through some games and I played um, the, I, I didn't even realize it was on there, but there's the uh, Mega Drive version of Cotton. So we played that yeah. a while back, didn't we, yeah. on, on the show? Um, and That's that nice. is a really unique game because it's actually like a 3D perspective, almost like Space Harrier. Um, yes, I don't know and- if you guys have played it or not, but that was, that was a real surprise to me. And it's such a good, great game. Yeah, that was, uh, I think that was called, was that Cotton Panorama? Yeah, so, yeah, I think it's something like that. That's right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Sounds yeah. right. Yeah, so that I really enjoyed that. Um, and it's it's just good to have some consoles just there, just set up, ready to go. Um, you know, and, and again, I, I know I keep mentioning her, but obviously she's very important in my life. And da- Danica but, just sits there with me and watches watches me play some of the games and we, we have a few games together. So again, it's just another, another way of uh, interaction and just uh, share some time together. So she enjoys digging into some of the console stuff as well. So yeah, safety, that's cool. Safety that's in safety in numbers. You and Danica slowly can agree to work together to take over the house. You've got the loft. You've got her room. You've got the the nook. Exactly. <laughs> I think you need to get one of those fridges that have a, a TV built into it, and somehow hook like a Commodore to that. Yeah, <laughs> Com- <laughs> Commodore fridge. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, Cody, what, what's what's next from you? Uh, well, we talked about Cthulhu Saves Christmas in the last episode when we talked about six good Christmas games. Thank you very much, Tim. Yes. Uh, spoiler alert, Tim, you didn't know, but uh, we did that episode on your uh, suggestion. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of good Christmas games, Tim. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we got very... We had, a, we had a tough time. <laughs> we got very creative with our choices. And um, honestly, uh, Cthulhu Saves Christmas is the only game on my list that actually honestly had a christmas theme to it um yeah i I didn't pick any i i i I went outside the box uh but i also did pick up man eater the game that i had talked about a while back on the show that i thought just looked so cool because you were literally a shark in the ocean like eating people And I bought it. And this purely. is one. This is one I'm. I'm pretty interested in. I mean, I want to. I'm going to look into that when it's on a available for a console that I have. Yeah. Oh, it's not on. Uh, I guess it's not on Xbox, huh? It might be on Xbox One, but I don't buy that much for the Xbox One. I was going to wait till it came out on Switch, probably. Well, it'll be. It'll be more. But I ended up finding yeah, it physical true. for uh, fourteen ninety nine. So I picked it up. Yeah. And um, and 
uh, it starts you out right in that whole, uh, you're in the middle of the ocean, you're a huge shark, and you're just eating people who are, like, sunbathing on the beach or, like, playing <laughs> on, like, floaties. Uh, but then uh, it kind of does a, a Wonder Boy, Dragon's Curse kind of thing where it's like, okay, you've experienced being all-powerful. Now you're going to start out as a baby shark. I won't give anything away, but... Um, and you kind of have to eat your way up, work your way up to be being a, a big shark again. Um, yeah. And you kind of start back in the uh, these kind of like small freshwater bayou channels. I think you're a bull shark, which can live in freshwater. And you're eating catfish and trying to run away from alligators, which are big enough to eat you at this point. Um, but it definitely feels, it becomes one of those kind of open world games, which I wasn't expecting, where you can kind of go where you want and do what you want. As long as you meet these goals, you'll start progressing. So it's yeah. actually a lot more in-depth than I thought, Thought, which to me actually was kind of a bad thing. I was really just hoping for an arcade like, here's a guy, let's go just munch people for the fun of it. And um, I was looking for kind of like burnout, but in shark mode, where you just like create destruction and run into things and watch things fly and bleed and go crazy. Um, I will admit that both my girls watched me play a little bit because they came in and they thought it was absolutely hilarious, which I probably shouldn't be... You know, <laughs> like sharks and blood and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty it's gory, awesome. but um, but it's fun. And for fifteen bucks, absolutely, I would never pay. I think a full like sixty bucks for this game, but um, yeah, it's cool. It's fun. Did you download that or did you get the physical one? Oh, I got a physical game. Yeah, I might. Got I might right see if I can find it for Xbox One, like cheap, and just put it on there because I know there's one available for Xbox One. Pull a Tim and like reach all the way over here. Oh, as I get things caught, but look at that. Yeah. Man eater. No, that game Yeah, that game looked really interesting to me, so I might try to pick that one up. Because well, I heard it was kind of like an RP had like RPG elements to it. Yeah, kind of uh, yeah, progression, I guess. But uh Yeah. Is it what like have you a, been playing a, with? A munch map. There you go. <laughs> Eric, what have you been playing with since you haven't been playing Man Eater? So let me tell you about this. So I'm going to totally admit that I am, I I am influenced by the podcasts I listen to. And I was listening to, um, I think it was either the Amigos talking about like Sprite Castle, like Robo Robo Flack O'Hara, um, Rob Flack O'Hara. <laughs> I said that wrong. <laughs> um, but he he, um, I guess he's been doing some DOS streaming lately. <clears throat> And so he mentioned that he is using this program called Exodos. And I don't know if you guys have heard this, E-X-O-D-O-S, Exodos. If you guys are going to get into any kind of old school DOS gaming, this is the way to go. Really? So okay. Right. You just go look up Exodos and you will find that there is two downloads that you can do. The first one is the full Exodos and it's like 700 gigs. Wow. And you can download that. And I believe it gives you like over a thousand DOS games. I think it's fifteen hundred DOS games. Jeez. Now, if you don't want to download that giant game, which I did not want to, you can go and get um, Exodos Lite. And what that is, it still includes all the games, but they don't download the games. It's just the front end, and that's yep. the beauty of this. This is just fr- a front end. Like you can, it gives you a nice way to look at all the DOS games. It shows you the manuals. It shows you the cover of the box. Cool. And just that, you know, like I said, uh, over a thousand games and you go and you pick the game you want. 
And the light version is only about 60 gigs downloaded, but it includes all the metadata. So all the cover art, the manuals, everything. And then you click on it and it just goes and downloads the game from, from, from their site. And it, it basically is the game. And then you just play the game. And I played, I didn't list them here. So I'm just going to do this off the top of my memory. I played doom. I played quake. I played command HQ, which was one of my favorite games back in the day. Um, scorched earth, um, command and conquer. Um, I played all of these original DOS games and they, the beauty of it, they run perfectly. You don't have to tinker with DOS box or any of that crap. It, the download includes uh, like two different emulators or something like that. Two or three emulators that will just pick the right one based on the game and all the sound works perfectly. The disc swapping, whatever is included. So this is like, this makes it easy. So, if you're going to get into DOS games at all, download Exodus Lite and then pick and choose whatever games you want. It takes about five or ten minutes to download the game and you're good to go. Well, Sounds good. So it's, it's similar to kind of like Amiga uh, Forever then, isn't it? Where um, it's, it's yeah. got, a, got a nice front end on it and making it all warm and fuzzy. So you can just literally just get jump in there and just play the games and uh, yep. go for it. Um, so, yeah, because I I know I've tried to download DOS games before, and it's hit or miss whether I could get the Sound Blaster working with it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like once you load it into an emulator, and I don't want to mess around with that stuff anymore. And this thing just makes it just greases the wheels, makes it work right. So does it come with all the right selections for the games and all that sort of thing? So it's is it emulating Sound Blaster? Is it? Yep, it's emulating Sound Blaster or whatever. Like there's an MT something. I don't I forget what it's MT, called. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So the funny thing is when you launch a game that you haven't downloaded yet, because I got the light version, you download a game, it'll, it it gives you this menu and it says, Hey, do you want to launch this with sound blaster support? Do you want to launch this with MT support? Do you want to launch this with, with regular old DOS sound support? You pick whatever you want. It downloads, it configures everything and you're good to go. I want the original controllers. That's the one problem I've had so far is I have a, I have just have an Xbox 360 controller that connects to the machine and it worked on every game except one because I was playing like Command and Conquer that uses a mouse anyway. Um, but I tried to you play Red Baron. Do you remember that one? It was like Sierra game, I think. I it was love like that a game. flight simulator. And I couldn't get my joystick to work, but I didn't spend a lot of time trying to figure you it out. You need to go get your Gravis Ultra Pad. And I think I have one in the garage. <laughs> I know you, you I, showed I, it before. Oh, the graphics. You're talking about the pad. Yeah, I have yeah. that around here somewhere. Um, I think I could get it to work with a little bit of time, but I didn't spend much time on it. So that sounds oh. really good. So is the light version, I guess, is is it, is it all completely free, or is it just the light version that's free? No, it's all free. Wow, that's really it's good. In the, it's in the gray area, mm. the gray, gray area of the web, gray, gray. The gray <laughs> not the thing, dark but web, but the dim web. Like that on there, yeah, yeah. yeah. I will say, I played I played Quake because I could use keyboard and mouse, and it was so buttery smooth, and the sound was so great, like butter. Like I I, I remember just how much I loved Quake. Because I hadn't played, I haven't played it in years. Yeah. I want to hear that Work original right. PC speaker go. <laughs> right. Does it? Have you looked into the multiplayer aspect through it? Does it work with the multiplayer stuff? So you could do um, land gaming over WAN. That's quite, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question, though. Maybe that, it does. That would, that would be good for us to get into, wouldn't it? Yeah. Play some uh, Quake. Like yeah. the, Quake Three was multiplayer, right? Uh, the original oh. Quake was, I think, wasn't it? Oh, okay. I don't remember, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
I can remember playing Quake over a over an old modem. I'm sure I did. Yeah. Well, another thing you can do online is shop for people. And I always have a hard time not buying things for myself. But there's one Black Friday thing I did pick up, and that was just... I never bought an accessory like this for myself, but they had one of those um, PS4 controller chargers that has a little base that you just pop them into. Yep, Yep. I remember those, yeah. And I looked at that, and it was like under 10 bucks. and I looked over at my my, uh, setup over here, and there's wires kind of flayed everywhere. And I'm like, for 10 bucks, let's just do it. So right. they're all, they're nice and pretty now. That is all. Very simple. But Sounds good. I've never spent money on accessories like that for myself. I always just, I'm like, if it's not a game, why would I spend money on it? Yeah. Uh, but no, it felt I, nice. The controllers just end up chucked around all, all over the place, don't they? <clears throat> exactly. You've been talking with Peter Fletcher there, Eric? Yeah, so Peter Fletcher on uh, on Twitter, Rec to Pete. I'm sure you guys have both had run-ins with him. Uh, <laughs> um, Pete and I met up. Yeah, they did all yeah, swappy that's right, poo. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I've got my Apple too from him. So he, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about this because he sent me this game, which brought back kind of some nostalgia for me and and what happened to me back in the day when I was first learning computers in junior high or whatever. But he has a, a basketball program that was written by his seventh grade computing teacher <laughs> way back in the early early nineteen eighties. And uh, he used to play it on the Commodore Pet in junior high. And he basically went and was talking with the teacher who, I think it was the teacher. But anyway, I, I might, might be getting that part wrong. But he spoke to somebody and he was able to get a printout of the actual basketball game that they had coded in BASIC. And he typed it in and and modded it and kind of modded it for the Commodore 64 from the Pet by removing some of the teams or whatever, by fitting it into Ram on a Commodore 64 and it runs perfectly and it runs great. And he asked me if I wanted to try it out. I was like, sure, I'd love to try it out. And I, I played it for about, you know, 45 minutes and it was a pretty cool text based. It's not graphics at all. It's a text based basketball with players from that era. So you can like substitute by hitting things in the menu and you can like shoot threes and shoot. And it probably has some calculations, you know, that dice rolls on table dungeons and dragons, dice rolls. Exactly. It's exactly what it is. So nerdy. I love um, it. The guy's name was Bruce Noss. Uh, It was his teacher and I basically got it and played it and it worked great. And we had a good story, but it reminded me back in the day of like when I would go to the first computer class I had in junior high and like code things. And I just kind of wish, I mean, those things are lost forever. I, I didn't keep any printouts of that. And those discs and that teacher are long gone, but man, it would be just so much fun to see those stupid programs I wrote uh, back in the day. But <laughs> anyway, even before I knew what BBSs were, I wrote this little program that, we could leave messages to each other on the TRS-80 Model 3. We could, like, leave messages for the next period. Gotcha. So, like, you know, yeah. we would leave a message, and then they'd come in and see the message. They'd respond, and then the next class would come in, next class. And I remember I called it hijinks. And then later on, <laughs> a few years later, there was a, a BBS that was actually named hijinks, and I always wondered if they ripped me off. Totally. <laughs> Went to that computer. Saw yeah, your message. So anyway, but it, I, I, I remember if I could get find that program, that would just blow my mind. But 
Yeah, we, we anyway. did a very similar thing, but we didn't do it as a program. Uh, we, we just used to type expletives on the screen and turn the monitor off. <laughs> so <laughs> you can still do that today. Comes so. in, turns the monitor on. Oh, hello. <laughs> more things change, the more they stay the same. Exactly. <laughs> well, I want to thank uh, one of our Patreon followers, Parajoid, yeah. for reminding me of something I reminded him of. Um, he apparently uh, heard us talk about Digger 3 for the Coco 3 on the news last month. And unlike me, he actually followed through and played it, and he said he loved it. So I'm like, okay, now i got to follow through with my own word and try it. So I went online, downloaded it, popped in my Coco 3, and it's amazing. It is really yeah. good. Um, it is a load runner type game, as we mentioned last time. But it is very playable, and even though it, um, the screen moves around, it doesn't. it's not one stagnant screen. It doesn't have the issue where you don't know where you're going. You kind of learn it pretty quick. Um, and Eric, I suggest you highly uh, look after look at playing this game because I know you are a connoisseur of the Load Runner. I love uh, Load Runner, so I would I for I, me I, I want to because I saw you t- text about or t- I think tweet about this either yeah. yesterday or whenever. Yeah, and I was it, like, oh, that looks like a game that's right up my alley. Coco three specific. The graphics look. <clears throat> much higher than any Coker 3 I've ever played, and the gameplay is absolutely... It's the most enjoyable Loadrunner game I've played, and I actually typically don't love Loadrunner, so... Right. I think that might be saying something. I don't know, but... Uh, Tim! I'm, I'll download it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tim, just, you, you um, modded some more things. While, while we're on the subject of Coco stuff, okay. um, I don't know if you guys have um, know about it, but the Amigos Retro Gaming Network have got a new, or I think it's been, they've done one, maybe two months of the International Computer Club. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard about it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So I was uh, sat in on that the other day, uh, just lurking in the background. Um, and, uh, one of the, one of the presentations was about, um, a new sound expander for the Coco. Okay. Um, uh, cause obviously, uh, it hasn't got the, the most fantastic sound chip. Um, but they've, uh, one of, one of the guys has developed this little plug-in board. Um, and it's got a, uh, proper, you know, um, really good sound chip on it. It's got a code encoder decoder. Um, so it'll play MP3s. Um, but he, he, um, writes games as well. I think he's got, uh, one of the, I sh- uh, can't remember the name of the game for the, Coco, uh, but it's a re- looks like a really nice shooter. Um, and he loaded this up, and the music is just absolutely incredible. And it's huh. got proper sound effects and all that sort of stuff. It is just amazing. It was really, really good. Cool. Um, so uh, you know, I I haven't got a Coco myself, um, but um, yeah, some something you guys might want to have a look at. Maybe even go back and watch that back on the um, on the. Uh, I think it was on Twitch. Um, so go back on the recording. I'm sure they'll probably have that up on the, the ARG feed as well on YouTube. Um, so it might be worth going back. There was also, um, just very briefly, there was a nice Amiga front end. Um, again, can't remember the name of it now. Um, but one of the guys did a really nice long presentation on that. So that might be worth something worth looking at as well. Um, because it's just literally, it just comes in from boot up and you've got three or four different front ends and you can go straight into programs. So you can boot straight into, uh, Dopus and, um, you know, straight into games or game launchers and those sort of things as well. So yeah, it was, uh, it was really good. It was, and uh, Doug also did a presentation. He did, um, uh, the SX64 and getting that online. Um, and you got a mention, Eric, on there as well. 
uh, because oh, wow. you're always on particles and he tried to connect to particles BBS and it, of course it was busy when he tried to connect so he had to go on to something else <laughs> <laughs> I blame um, Eric but yeah yeah it's it's really good it was very good um so yeah i think um we we ought to uh dive in on on the international computer club and anyone else listening if they want to do that then it's available um probably i would imagine it's on the youtube stream as a recording but they also do it live on twitch um so if if you got twitch you can probably jump on the next meeting as well cool sounds good you modded something though tim I did, yes. Yeah, uh, so I still had my soldering iron out. Um, so <laughs> I decided to bite the bullet and um, modify my GameCube finally. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. Oh, good. <laughs> so That's I, great news. I got the Xeno, uh, was it Xeno GC, is it? Um, yes. Oh, and I actually did the direct-to-board method, Cody. Ooh, I risky, braved risky. it out. <laughs> good. Good for you. <laughs> and it was like, I, I soldered it on the first time and I just hit hit the right point. Um, and I switched it on and the little light, so you you know if you've got it right, you've got the little light that comes on and it's show, it shows it's powering up and it goes through its initial sequence. And I powered it on and no, oh, fail. It didn't work really? first time. Oh. So I um, w- watched a oh, few no. videos and I think <clears throat> what it was, it was uh, the one of the top... Uh, the topmost um, solder point, you've really got to flow that full of solder to get that right in there because I think that's where the power initiates from. So I opened everything back up again, um, chucked a load more solder into that point, powered it up, bang, it worked first time after that. Yes! There's one solder point in there that has a hole and you actually have to hit two pads on the bottom with that one solder point. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I I got that all filled in, and yeah, so I've got that downstairs now. So I've got that working, and I've also got. Um, have you guys tried Swiss yet? Yes, that's yeah, what I, I tr- use. Yeah, I tried it. Yeah, so I've I've got Swiss there, and I've got um, games on the memory card as well. So you just launch the game straight from the memory card. So you you boot from Swiss, and then straight in onto the memory card, and just load the games from there. So yep. uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to start chucking a ton of games on there and going through. But the problem is, is every time I turn it on, we're still just playing Super Monkey Ball all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I picked I up a. Game. Yeah, that is a fun one. I, I picked up a few games for the Switch. Um, two of them I'll mention, but even I didn't really play them much. Darkest Dungeon, which looked really cool. Um, and then also the next Penelope, which actually became free. I had on my wish list. Um, but what I ended up actually playing was Transistor. Do you recognize that at all, Eric? Yeah, I I, I see that at Best Buy all the time, like the physical version. Oh, okay. Um, I, that cartridge is, the, I mean, the, the box is there all the time. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and I always pick it up and I look at it and I go, Oh, this looks like it would be kind of neat, be, so, be kind of cool, but I never pulled the trigger on it. Transistor is made. It was the game that came after Bastion, which I didn't particularly care for. And the game that came before Hades, uh, by the same developer. It actually okay. is very similar to Hades because I saw you play that one. Um, but Hades is like 20, 30 bucks and this went on sale for three ninety nine. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm like, okay. I will pick that up. And it is the coolest. Uh, I thought it was really cool. It's isometric. Action is a lot like Hades. But basically, you're this uh, girl. You don't really. Un- the story kind of unfolds as you're playing. 
uh, you're kind of going along with her. She doesn't have her memory of what happened, so she's kind of piecing things together. And it's a cyberpunky world, and you're attacking these like robot uh, enemies and things. Um, but the the idea is you have all these different attacks you can do, and uh, as you do the attacks and kill things, the enemies start to overwhelm you. But you have a button you can hit that pauses time, and then you can actually like plan like three or four attacks ahead of time that you'll take out like really quickly while the enemy like in uh, bullet time basically. And so you ca- it becomes a tactical strategy game at the same time as it's also an action RPG. Yeah. And then as you uh, destroy things and get points and get to these different gates and things, you can level up and add more abilities. And uh, uh, and it was about eight hours, and I played all the way through that as well. So uh, yeah, wow. I got a lot of gaming time. I think I beat five games this month. But um, uh, <laughs> this was... <laughs> yeah, I love beating games. It's just so... I, it, I mean, they have to be good, but... Um, I would highly recommend this one, especially at four bucks, but even at, uh, you know, 15, 20 bucks, this game was really fun. So highly recommended. Cool. So, uh, just recently, (laughs) like in the last few days, (laughs) uh, I was on a, not eBay, uh, but it's an auction site, uh, here in the UK. And, uh, there was a place local to me. Um, that had some retro stuff up for auction. And I was quite surprised at what it was, actually. Um, So I was keeping my eye on it, and it got to the auction day, and I put a few bids in, and I won it. Um, So there was two auctions. The first one um, was, it was just listed as uh, electronic oscilloscopes (laughs) and a Sony radio. Okay. So, okay. Right. Fine. So that all of that stuff there, but in the it was like all the stuff was kind of like on a shelving rack, and it was just yeah. they'd just taken a picture of that shelving rack, um, and nestled on the shelving rack was this. Up, oh, he's going to walk off into the disc. Oh no, he's going to pull this one out from under the shelf below him. This will take a second. <laughs> Lift with your uh, with your legs, not with your back. Oh, oh wow. wow! An really? Apple II E, <laughs> an Apple II, and it looks in super good shape too. It's in amazing condition. Also, inside it, it is loaded. absolutely loaded. It has cards up the wazoo. Cards. So I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it's got a Printmaster card. But it's also got, and uh, thank you very much to Josh at 48K Ram, one of our Patreon supporters and also a great friend of the show. Um, he uh, had a quick look inside this one. I sent him a few pictures because I know he's he's an Apple guy. And this has got a Microsoft or a, a, what they call it, a soft board. So this is actually a, uh, a Z80 on there. So it will run huh. CPM. Um, so one one of these cards, albeit with an eighty column card, went on eBay. I think it was for around about three hundred pounds last night. Wow! <laughs> wow! Just that board. Um, it's also got um, the proper Apple II um, uh, PAL board in it as well. Um, obviously, with it being the the Euro Plus Apple. So yeah, I haven't even switched this one on yet because. This You're one's afraid. got the uh, uh, reefer 
capacitors inside it. Um, so I want right. to, I want to sort of like take care of the, uh, of the power supply in it and make sure it's all yeah. sorted before I actually switch it on. And talking that of reefer awesome. capacitors, what else has oh, reefer no. cap- capacitors in it that are common? I, I don't so know. The other, I thought you were going in a different direction. Uh, what? BBC. Another BBC Micro. Nice. That one looks good shape too. That looks really this nice. One is, this, this one is nice shape. I've also um, got this one open, modded the power supply for this. Um, and I've got the uh, the SD adapter working in there. It's all really nice. Now, Cody. Yes, sir. Do you want this one? I absolutely want some that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> this is yours then, my friend. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. We I have an exchange for you. We can talk after the show. <laughs> okay. So this one is yours. And also in this came along with... No. How do you find these deals, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. If I ever visit England, I'm just going to spend the entire time on my computer trying to find car boot sales. Yeah, another that... BBC Compact as well. Goodness. <laughs> so master, all in that auction. Um, so Man, yeah. it, and those look in such good shape, too. I mean, when, when, when I've rarely found ones, they're, like, in horrible shape. Like, they're usually dirty and gross and... Like broken. you find stuff and like it's in mint condition. <laughs> well, uh, t- to be honest with you, I was really, really lucky with this. I mean, that Apple II hasn't got a speck of dust on it inside. It is just so clean. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll say up front, I think I paid £120 for the uh, for the lot. auction with the Apple II on it. And the oscilloscopes and all the other bits and pieces, I haven't even started looking at that stuff yet. Um, and there's a lovely little uh, sort of like uh, late 70s, early 80s Sony radio there as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I was just really, really stoked with that auction. So that that's my stuff there so i was really happy with that um that is the other way thing is, cool. is i picked up one more yes another crt monitor <laughs> and there goes tim again and this one is one i've wanted for a while and that's a 1084 st okay so oh, stereo nice. with the t uh well this this one's um kind of like uh, was amiga 4000 generation okay so it's designed to you know it's got the um the base on the bottom uh, the tilt and swivel base mm-hmm. uh, it's got the uh, rgb socket on there as well it looks lighter by the way that you're carrying it fairly nonchalantly yes it's it's not 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 too bad it's not too bad for a crt um but the good thing about that one is um it's it's got the RGB on the back, and I've bought a little cable to adapt it. Um, so it's got a SCART socket on the back now, um, so you can plug, you know, anything that does an RGB onto it, like an Atari ST, uh, Amiga. The BBC goes onto it really nicely as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the only other thing uh with it is it just does need a little bit of adjustment inside i think which is because it's just slightly out of focus um but i've not braved it inside yet um but i I will do 
So yeah, we go. There's, Add there's that to the pickups for this month. The list of projects. Well, you have done quite well, my friend. I I played a lot of games, and you have acquired a lot of things. So, yeah, too many things. I've got to stop now. <laughs> well, I think that's going to end our catching up, Eric. Let's go ahead and grab our last beer. And while we do that, I will go ahead and wait. Do you have one more thing? You're giving me. A, he's giving me a, a shaky head as if he can't hear us. So, I'm going to go ahead and uh, run our battle of the systems. Battle of the Systems! <laughs> Alright, so we are digging into the Battle of the Systems. This was another recommendation by Tim. He wanted to get a, a little bit of micro-love on the show. Yes, indeed. And uh, we are battling Zanak on the MSX versus Firetrek on the C64, a couple of vertical shooters. Yes. Do you have any experience with these, Tim? Why did, why did you pick these? Well, to be honest with you, I'd never seen Zanak before on the MSX. Um, so I was just doing a little bit of research for this and um, came, a, came across it. And I thought this looked a really good one. Um, and because it's also a shooter from Compile, we know that that's probably going to be a quality product. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, that that looked really good one. And Firetrack is one I remember from back in the day on the Commodore sixty four, um, titled by Electric Dreams. Um, so I thought, yeah, well, let's let's do these ones because they're obviously competing systems, um, and uh, you know, same same style of shmups. Um, but, uh, obviously sort of the, the MSX slightly behind on the graphical side of things. <laughs> oh, you think so? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well just, just traditionally, I guess it's slightly behind on, on the, on that side of things. Um, and, uh, the Commodore 64 probably slightly ahead again on the, on the sound side of things. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I thought these probably would be good ones to battle against. Yeah. Very cool. Digging to them just a second. Eric and I, as you can hear, just opened our last beer for the evening. Yep. Uh, and Eric, you provided this uh, this beer. I'll let you you say the name of it because it's pretty cool. <laughs> yep. So it's by um, a original pattern brewing company, and it's called Spaceballs, the beer. Hey! <laughs> and it is a black lager. There's the, there's the can, Tim. I don't think I've ever had a black lager. Spaceballs. So I'm 5. going... 5.8 alcohol by volume but it is a black lager now i have had a black lager before not this one but a different one and it i was really pleasantly surprised by it so nice quick cheers 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 i want to take myself a sip Ooh, what does tim got there i've got an apple juice (laughs) (laughs) it looked like uh looked like beer so you could have lied to us but that's cool he's joined us in drinking yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I'm tasting it. It actually tastes um Yes, this is like like, like, like I remember from the last one. What were you saying? Kind of stouty. A little bit, but it's it's not as thick tasting and it's very toasty. Like it's got a very yeah. toasty toasty malted flavor to it. Yeah. When you agree it's with good. that? Yeah, toasty is the word I was looking for. So good job. I like that. Yeah, it's really good. So let's take um, 
Yeah, I, I, I really like this one. This one's good. Let's do um, dark and drinkable. Seven hundred and fifty space balls. Um, I can't see with this thing on. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with. It's. I mean, it's good. It's really good. Uh, not amazing, but good. I'm gonna go with six hundred. And and three. Six hundred and three. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I would give it about I think I would give it six hundred. Perfect. Well we got our score. Yeah. All right, let's dig into this thing. I'm gonna go ahead and you guys are screen sharing at this point, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Here is Xanek on the MSX microcomputer from Japan. The graphics on that are amazing. Right? Look at that ad. Oh, there we go. Oh, we get another another ad to watch first before we can watch. I didn't know this was a football game. (laughs) There we go. There we go. So, Eric, do you have any information? Any game information? I do have some stats for you. You ready? Okay. Uh Xanak is a game that is... The developer is Compile. Um. There are lists of a lot of programmers and designers that I will forego for... Um, Very Japanese names? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, this came out on many different platforms. came out on MSX, Family, a Computer Disk System, the NES, the PlayStation Virtual Console, PlayStation Network. It was released in... Let me get this. I want to get this part right. It was released in November 1986 on the MSX. It is a shoot 'em up and it is a single player. There was also um, an iOS app version that was launched very, very briefly and then got pulled. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was essentially is just an emulator. Uh, yeah, but, um, right. There, there was a version on the on iOS. Very also, good. we had to make sure we had to make sure to pick the right Xanek because there was another Xanek. This is Xanek yep. AI, AI, and yeah. there was it's an interesting. EX, right? EX, which is funny because Xanic AI was ported but changed to go to the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System, and then that version was again modified and reported back to the fam- to the uh, MSX, and that version is called fam- the Xanic EX, which is like a modified. I want it's probably a couple of years apart because it looks a lot different. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's really MSX two as well, isn't it? The um, the EX version. Uh, the normal you, MSX, does it? You're probably right. I didn't think it was though. I did try it. I did try it, and it's definitely a different game. Yeah, yeah. The EX version I know r- only runs on the MSX two, right? Yeah, gotcha. Um, so I'll go ahead and just say this game has very, I would say, very simple uh, graphics. Everything is big squares. Um, you're a spaceship. Um, kind of your quintessential vertical shooter. There's asteroids that come down at you. Um, you're going over, at least at the beginning here, these green fields with a river uh, that kind of goes back and forth underneath you. Um, you are shooting, of course, vertically at things, but uh, you also can launch um, uh, fire at things on the ground. <laughs> and the things that on the ground are power-ups, there's like five different power-ups that uh, you can pick that basically change your alternate shot, if I remember correctly. It's been kind yeah, of a while. Right. Um, and then, of course, you can also, by collecting, uh, there's these three blocks that will fall down mid-level. Every time you shoot exactly 16 enemies, these three blocks fall down. And as you shoot the blocks, they could uh, give you uh, 
more bullets that try to come at you. They could give you absolutely nothing, or they could give you a power-up that will take your, your basic fire shot and upgrade it to become, right. like, from a single shot to a double shot to a triple shot. Um, and then the kind of main key point for this game is at the end of every level, uh, there is a enemy base, which kind of looks like a, um, I don't know, a bunch of of uh, hexagons kind of connected with tubes <laughs> like and they almost have eyeballs on them kind of they do, yeah they look like gotta, eyeballs you got to shoot out the eyes um yeah to, to uh, defeat the boss um and it, it sprays loads of different bullets at you did you notice the totem poles on there if you shoot those they give you um an, an explosion so as like a smart bomb effect but you got to keep keep hitting the totem poles. I did not um, notice that. No, yeah, no. yeah you get quite quite a few. It gives you quite a few hits, um, and then you get the uh, uh, a, like a smart bomb effect that clears the screen. Gotcha. Um, and then the, the, your alternate weapon can change from all kinds of things, from a barrier that goes around you to like this one we're looking at now, which is this wavy thing that goes back and forth across the screen slowly, vertically. Um, it's one of these things where your your alternate we- weapon changes every time you grab a new number. So it's just a number one through five. Um, and then there's these little robots that come down on the, either the left or right side of the screen, wherever opposite you are. And uh, if you shoot those, and according to the instructions, if you shoot those, you'll stay on the same difficulty level you're already on. If you let them fly away, your difficulty level will raise. Um... I honestly tried to do that, and I never noticed. Like sometimes it seemed easy when it shouldn't have been hard, and op- and the opposite as well. <laughs> so I didn't know how well think, that worked. Yeah, I think there's um, a varying degree of AI in this game, and I think it um, kind of uh, almost analyzes the way that you're playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're if you're not shooting so much or something along those lines, you you get more enemies coming at you. Um, and uh, if you're, you know, sort of like pounding away, then you, you, the patterns are different as well. Um, yep. I think there's a, f- a fair degree of intelligence in this game. Um, it says, so from the Wikipedia page on Xanak, it says, it has been praised for its unique adaptive artificial intelligence in which the game automatically adjusts the difficulty level according to the player's skill level, rate of fire, and the ship's current defensive status slash capability. Wow. Yeah. So a lot more in the ones and zeros underneath the game than there is um, visually, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I think the, the the visuals on this. I mean, I, I think it, I don't know which came first, this one or um, do you remember Xevious in the arcade and the various different yep. computer ports? Mm-hmm. Kind of like looks very similar to that, doesn't it? It was sort of like the green and the blues and the the way the tiles are generated on the screen um, looks looks very similar. But I think this game is pretty unique because I think this is one of the first ones that really brought in the sort of like the multiple power concepts, the power ups. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not the smoothest game, but I think for at the time, um, you know, based when this was released, I think this was you know pretty good uh for, for the msx side of things um and just the the complexity and like we say the the artificial intelligence in the game um uh, was pretty groundbreaking at the time so this this one was quite a quite a seminal shooter i think for the for the platform and um and the the genre of game cool i think we covered it pretty well um yep 
let's go ahead. What's our rating scale going to be? Some vertical, old school vertical shooters. Um, I think we can go with. I don't know. Do you guys have any ideas for a rating scale here? <laughs> um, mystical eyes to blow up. <laughs> Do they, does uh, Fire Track have mystical eyes? I don't yeah, think so. No, I think common here. How about glowing um, rice? <laughs> there, there you go. I'll, how about uh, they're eight bit games, so out of eight flickering white bullets, because these games have <laughs> flicker issues. Uh, out of eight flickering white bullets, what do you want to give this one, gentlemen? What What are your thoughts on this game? Go ahead, Eric. Uh, so, what was the rating again? I'm sorry. Eight flickering bullets. Out of eight flickering bullets. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this a... I did have fun playing this game. I mean, I, I it is hard to keep track of all the stuff, like the different power-ups and the... You know, it, it could get very hectic very quick. Um, but I, I mean, I really enjoy playing it. So I think I'm going to give it out of eight. Man, that's rough. Um, I'm going to give it five and a half out of eight. Okay. Cool. Um, I really enjoyed this one, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I, it was a nice chance for me to break out the MSX because I don't really get a lot of ch- chance with it. Um, so I thought it was a really interesting game. Um, and so, so many different elements to it, um, like with the different AI and that sort of thing. So it almost feels like, you know, one game wasn't really the same as the other, like normal traditional shooters. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to go with six on this one. Gotcha. Um, this game, I played it a couple of times. The third time I played it, I got by far my highest score. And then I started to read the instructions and learn how it worked. And the more I knew about it, the worse I got. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I had a hard time. Typically with a game, I want to be able to get better as I play. And I feel like this game, the AI system, as as creative as, I guess, the ones and zeros were underneath the, the game, um, I just it almost felt like every time I played, the scenarios were so different. Um as far as how hard things were and how many bullets were coming at me, that I just had no idea about how to play it well. I just kind of found it frustrating. Um, obviously, it's of the era graphics, but it just kind of looked blocky and meh to me, um, uh, which I normally can get past, but the game po- the gameplay wasn't amazing. Um, I know you said of the era, and that might be correct, but I'm playing this nowadays, and that's how I always rate my games. So I honestly didn't love this one. I don't think I'll ever go back to playing it. Um, I had some fun with it. So I'll give it a five. Cool. Five out of eight. Next game. Eric, do you want to... Yep. It's Fire Track. Fire Track! Fire Track! Not Fire Trap. Don't confuse it with Fire Trap because there's another game of exactly the same year by exactly the same publisher and it's completely (laughs) not the same game. Right. (laughs) I didn't realize it was the same publisher too. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So this is a game, the developer was Aardvark Software, um, the publisher Electric Dreams and Superior Software. The designer was Nick Pelling. It, this the Commodore 64 version, which is the one we are looking at, came out in 1987 along with the BBC Micro. Um, and in 1989, there was one for the Electron. 
Um, it is a scrolling sh- shoot 'em up, and it is a single player game. It is. Go for it, Tim. So this one um, I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, not saying that I didn't enjoy Zanak, um, but yeah, this this one's sort of more of a traditional shooter, I guess, with uh, more pr- relatively predictable patterns um, and. Uh, you know, nice, nice flowing graphics. Um, one thing that strikes me about this game is that it, it kind of like feels like a 64 game, but not, um, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, maybe I think it's because it's got its roots more in the BBC micro side of things. Um, but, um, it's kind of a, a bit different mechanic with this game. So um, you, you're just doing your normal thing, uh, going along shooting, get, getting the aliens, uh, working your way through. You get three lives as normal. Um, but when your game is over, um, this one's quite unique, is that, um, okay, I guess you get continues in games with credits and all that sort of thing. But this one always lets you start off where you finish. Um, so if you get into level three, then your next game, you can resume at level three. Um, I noticed that. Yeah, I, I, I took advantage of that quite a bit. And I, I really appreciate that feature. It lets you get further in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, this one, um, is set in the 22nd century. Um, the pirate industrials have taken control of the colonized worlds within the asteroid belt. The forces from earth must fight back and take control using your trusty hatch fighter. You must take back the fire track trading route that is divided into four areas, base world, dust world, ice world, and mal world. Each world is driven by a nuclear power plant. You must guide your hatch fighter through each level to get to the power plant and blow up the heavily guarded nuclear power plants. Enemies come in various waves and start out quite simple and predictable. It obviously gets harder as you go along and quickly becomes a real challenge. In your single hatch fighter, there are no weapons or upgrades, which is quite unique in this game as well. Although you do receive three new fighters each time you start a new level. What do you think, guys? Um, Go Cody. I'll I'll hop in here. Um, So, visually, the game uh, looks very cool. Um, I love the... The backgrounds are very... I mean, I don't know what those things are supposed to be, but I guess you're, you're going over some kind of alien landscape or spaceship or something. There's kind of all kinds of cool geometric shapes. Very interesting. The enemies are slow enough that you can see what they're doing and try to like counter their moves, but fast enough to be difficult. Um, there's all kinds of things on the ground you can shoot. There's a scoring system where you try to collect these pluses to... Um, add to your score at the end of the level and then the X's which multiply that number so you're trying to hit those things primarily um, so there's some really cool cool uh, elements if you're going for score specifically and then it's really cool at the end of the level it kind of becomes like uh, that um, Intellivision slash uh, Atari game we talked about um, the, the Dreadnought Factor Dreadnought right? Factor yeah, yeah. Where you've yeah. got this final ship at the end, and you can do as much damage to the ship as you want, uh, and you keep going back and doing more passes across it until you destroy its two, these two circles. I don't know if they're reactors or what they're supposed that's to right. be engines. That's, that's the nuclear reactors, yeah. Reactor, okay. Uh, so I loved doing that, going back and trying to shoot all the, uh, get all the points I can without hitting those reactors until the ship was, you know, 
uh, completely mined of points. Um, and I love that the color palette gets swapped all the time, so it always looks fresh and new. Um, now, the one major downside that I kind of struggled with the entire... that I think if they change this one thing, this would be like a grade A must-play game for me, is the ship. Shmups, in my opinion, are supposed to be very tight-controlled. You know exactly what you're doing all the time. And the ship in this game has momentum. Yeah. Um, so when you turn, you have to give yourself time to slow down, come to a stop, and then head back the other way and slowly ramp back up. I mean, it happens fairly quick, but it is hard to be precise in this game. And if they made that one change, I think I would absolutely love this game uh, rather than, um, I guess, wanting a little bit more out of it, which is kind of where I'm at. But I do think I will go back and play this because it was uh, it was fun. <laughs> it's a good game. I think the the first first couple of worlds are you know relatively good pace, uh, but once you start to get onto this this level, I think that we're seeing on the screen is it the ice world. Um, once you start getting onto that, it just starts getting so so quick. It does and ramp you've got up like uh, three or four sometimes enemy patterns and. Uh, I don't know how we managed to get so many sprites on the screen without too much slowdown, but um, <laughs> you get so many p- enemy patterns on the screen at the time. And like you say, um, you've got that inertia on the control that makes it a little bit more difficult. But the other thing I found a bit frustrating was the enemy bullets. They just kind of like sit there on the screen and just slowly meander slow, their way yep. across the screen. <laughs> And it's like you've you've moved three or four times to dodge this bullet, and then you come back, and then you get hit by that same bullet because it's still on the screen, only about five pixels away from where you no, were two minutes you ago. You don't you don't get hit by it; you hit it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, come on! That that bullet was gone, surely. <laughs> so I don't I, I don't know if you guys noticed that. I, I did notice that, but I actually kind of like that because um, I've played a lot of uh, kind of Dreamcast Saturn era manic shmups where it's all about a ton of slow bullets laying on the screen. Yeah. <clears throat> so I kind of actually like those slow bullets, but um, it's funny how you put it there. <laughs> <laughs> so there are... Um... There, so there's no real like you, you go into the game and there's no real options in the game as such um so you just load up and come straight into this title screen press fire and off you go um there are some different control methods in uh in this you can use the keyboard if you want to and i think that again comes across from the bbc version because obviously not everyone had joysticks on the bbc because they were the analog sticks so a lot of people use keys on the bbc micro um um, you can turn uh, the sound on and off. So you can turn the music off. You can turn the effects off. Um, so you can have completely nothing at all or just music or just sound effects. Um, there's a pause option in the game as well, which is quite handy. Um, they, there's lots of different um things in terms of this the way that you kind of score in this game so like you mentioned you've got the uh the pluses and the minuses um which help towards uh, your bonus at the end um and you've also got the question marks so i don't know if you noticed if you shoot 10 or more of the question marks on the on the ground targets um you actually get an extra fighter as well if you shoot more than 10 question marks yeah um so this one uh, got a 
got a lot of uh, it got high praise um, high in the reviews back in the day, um, and I can I think we can see why it's quite a, quite a nice shooter. Um, so in Zap sixty four um, in April nineteen eighty seven, uh, they gave it an overall eighty eight percent. They gave it the high. I think the highest was for the graphics. Which I think we can all agree it's it's quite quite nice on the graphics side of things. Um, I think the sound lets this game down a little bit as well. I don't know don't know what you guys think. Um, the music can't even remember basic. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very very basic um, spot effects and all that sort of thing. So I think that let it down a little bit um, because I think they scored it down seventy two percent on the on the on the sound overall. Um, so all in all, it got uh, I think it was an eighty eight percent. So it just missed out. Out on a Zap Sizzler. Um, back in the day, you could buy a new copy of this on tape for £9.99. pence. this version for £14.99. pence. Um, if you look around on eBay at the moment, I haven't been able to... I've been looking around a few few times. Um, I've not seen a disc version of this up for sale. I would imagine if it did right now, it would probably be fetching around about £50 to £60. Pounds. Uh, the tape versions, wow. the tape versions, you can probably, you can get those anywhere between sort of like for a loose copy, maybe two to three pounds, um, a full, full boxed version, anywhere between five to 10 pounds. Um, I have got the original here. If you want a quick look. So I've got a, the original one tape. Um, so it's got nice, um, uh, fire track logo on the front uh, electric dreams which is the publisher um, a nice um, so you can see the hatch fighter sort of like s- gliding across the landscape on the on the packaging uh, it's got all the instructions um, and uh, I, I didn't actually load this one from tape I didn't go for the full experience on, on <laughs> I just Danica um, would be would be upset at you she likes that yeah. slow loading <laughs> um so yeah, what what do you think, guys? What do you what are you going to rate this one? Eric's looking at me like he wants me to go first. Yeah, go ahead. Um, this one was so close to being a like a great game for me, but that that imprecision killed it for me. Um, although I would say this one I would go back to, so I'm going to give it a six out of eight flashing white bullets. Yeah, I. <clears throat> The one thing I wanted to note on this game was I played this after Xanak and after having trying to keep track of everything that's going on in Xanak with the power ups and the the shoot, you know, the, like upgrading your firepower and all that stuff. And you get to this game, the simplicity is almost a bonus in this game. I mean, the simplicity of the of, of not having to try to chase power ups or or do whatever. And I I have to admit, I just really enjoyed kind of being able to not chill out because that's the wrong term to use on this game, but not having to focus on those things and just focusing on the, the shoot 'em up part of this game really was good for me. And I really enjoyed this one. I played it a lot and I probably will go back to it. I think I would give this one probably like a six and a half out of eight. Shoot 'em up. Bang, bang. Yep. What about you, Tim? Tim went higher. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> going to go one higher on this. So I'm, I'm going to go with a seven. Um, I, you know, en- enjoyed this game. Um, it's got, got that bit more of a, uh, sort of more of the traditional shoot 'em up flow into it. Um, I, I did enjoy the, the technical aspect of Zanak. Um, but obviously it's, 
it's it's a it's a good game, but I think this one just just tips the post for me on this one. Um, I think it's uh, you know a good nice good shoot 'em up on the Commodore sixty four, and um, I guess some of the cues in this, some of the alien formations, you can actually see that's been brought forward into some of Sarah Jane's Avery's games. Yes, I noticed um, uh, some of the see, patterns. Yeah, similar patterns that have come across in in Zeta Wing. Um, so again, you can see that it's kind of like a, an influencer. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really nice game. Um, I'm, I'm also keen to load this up on the BBC. I, uh, I, I resisted the temptation. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to stick with the Commodore 64 version and make sure I, I didn't really start getting into comparisons. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm looking forward now with, the, the multiple copies of the BBC Micro that I've got now that I can load this up and uh, give it a try on there. So cool. Well, guys, that is our battle. Thank you, Tim, for picking those out. We'll talk off air about what we can do next month. I have a few de- ideas. <laughs> Maybe Eric does too, though. I think it's your turn, Eric. Um, however, it is the end of the year because today is December 30th, remember? Uh, and we would like to go over our year of 2020 and just how amazing it's been. What a year. <laughs> I love 2020. <laughs> I do want to point out, to do a little research on this topic and go back and look at what we've done, I, I want to point out, I did listen to our last year-end review, and I made notes of what won, what we uh, voted on for last year. And uh, I will point out that it's been exactly one year since... Now, Tim was doing Tea Time with Tim a few months before, but it's been exactly one year since Tim has been joining us live on the show to do segments. So, a little round of applause for Tim. (laughs) Yeah, It has been a true pleasure. It really has. I agree. Almost every moment of it. Almost. Good time stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate you waking up early to to join us and... uh, having your daughter pop up through the hole in the floor to join you. So, um, let me, uh, well, we got a few, just a few things here. And if, if remember, listeners remember from last year, uh, we just kind of talked about what we thought were some of the best things. We kind of picked a, a favorite, but this isn't really like a listing or a, let's just talk about games that we, uh, really enjoyed. Now we wrote down a few topics here. So let's just start with games that were released this year. Um, played this year or reviewed this year. Um, you can just kind of go willy nilly. I don't, there's that word again, Tim. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, in any order you guys want, just, uh, just, we'll we'll pick a game of the year as well. Just kind of that covers all those topics. But before we get to that game of the year for you, what are just games that you guys, uh, that really stood out for you? I think the one that really stood out for me is the one that I've kind of like picked as my game of the year. Well, um, don't give it away yet then. <laughs> no, not, not going to give, not going to give that away again. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've obviously we've, we've played a ton of stuff. Um, I, I think one of the ones that I've really enjoyed was the one on the previous, um, previous episodes, which was, uh, power slave and, doom 64 i really enjoyed that comparison um and uh yeah it was it was good to um uh, kind of like revisit the doom genre because it's not one that i've really sort of like played a huge amount um 
so I, I really enjoyed that and, and experiencing Power Slave um, or Exhumed uh, for the first time, getting that out on the Saturn. That was that was really good. Um, I thought that was just such a, a technically brilliant game um, on on the on the Saturn. Um, so that's that's one of my favorite moments. I- I agree with with both of those picks, and I think to me, it's I forget how good the first person shooter genre can be, because every game nowadays is a first person shooter, and they're um, they're good in their own way, but that kind of quick arcade action that used to be a first person shooter is kind of gone. So to go back and play games like that, where it's just like shooting at, at its essence and being able to finish a level in under two minutes, like there's something exhilarating about that. So yeah, I I concur. How about you, Eric? I, I so I mean, I, I took the writing that Cody had put in the notes, and so I I guess we're we're doing this best game played this year, right? Uh, and so I, I mean, however you want to put it, we just want to save our, our game of the year for last. But okay, um, I didn't I didn't get that in the notes. So sorry, sorry. That's how we did. It, <laughs> that's how we did it last time, and I just didn't think to to explain that better. Um, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a couple. Uh, this has been a great year for Commodore 64. Again, we talked about mm-hmm. the Commodore a lot. Um, so some of the games that I really enjoyed, um, Starlayer when we did the 4K Craptastic competition. Mm-hmm. I I have the map in front of me still. <laughs> um, I just had a blast with that game. Um, I also played Shatter Over Hawksmill, which is a, a Cthulhu-based like action-adventure Metroidvania kind of thing, which I really loved. And of course, um, Soul Force by Sarah Jane Avery, which was Zeta Wing. You haven't played um, Soul Force yet. I don't oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Zeta no, Wing. Sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So, so two of the games there. I listed, I, I did do Zeta Wing as one of them, and then the other one I did was Jetpack DX, and that was probably the one I played the most out of any of these. Oh wow! Because I really loved that game. I mean, I I okay. really got into it. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Uh, some more modern games that I played this year. Uh, first of all, Tiberian <laughs> on the ZX, ZX Spectrum Next. I had so much more fun with that. Out of the three games I bought for that um, uh, from the, the Spectrum Next team, I thought that would be the least interesting, and it was by far my favorite. Um, Baggers in Space, of course, was also good. Uh, but some newer games. Uh, Moonlighter, if you remember that game. I played I on the Switch. Uh, yep. Had a great time with that. And Hyperlight Drifter, I've been wanting to get that game for a long time, and I, I played all the way through that one and loved it. Uh, and of course, Guacamelee 2, which was just more Guacamelee, which I knew I was going to love from the get-go, but another yeah. that was another uh, great game for me. And for modern games, for me, it was Streets of Rage 4. Remember when that came out? I played I That's beat right. that. I, I played that. I think I beat that after two days. Um, and then Yeez 8, Lacrimosa of Dana. Um, on the Switch. I really enjoyed that one. Which is your first Ease game, right? Yeah, it was my first Ease game I took seriously. Yeah, I didn't just load up and finish, you know, after half an hour I was done just checking it out. But that's a, Ease 8, I mean, I probably put a good 15, 20 hours into that. That's a game that uh, I've, I've, I've beat three or four, I think four Ease games, and mm-hmm. I've been wanting to get that one. It goes on sale digitally, but I just, I want a physical copy of it, and it's getting higher and higher because it's been out of print now. Yeah. Um, so at some point I need to just buy the bullet and either buy it or get the digital copy, but we'll see. What about you, Tim, for modern, modern-ish games? Modern-ish games, I think um, 
we had uh, Hotshot Racing recently. Um, that was that's been a, a good game. Uh, but I think probably um, there's you know obviously uh, things like Animal Crossing have got to be got to be in there as well. That was a big game for me this year. Yeah, that's um, right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's there's, there's we we've, we've played a ton of stuff. Um, and that's, that's what I love doing about this podcast is it it not so much forces me, but obviously (laughs) to to do the podcast, you've got to start playing some more games. So, um, that's, that's really good aspect of, of things for me is that I get to play a bit more of a broader spectrum of games, um, rather than just sort of like sitting playing on the Commodore 64 and maybe the Amiga all the time I'm breaking out some of the different stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. And, uh, I think if, if anything else over this year, with the amount of, that I've been playing, I've noticed that my gameplay has actually improved a little bit as well. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get more into the flow of uh, shooters and and that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, honing my skills a little bit more as well with the, with the more I play. So yeah, that's that's another bonus. A couple of the games that we uh, played on the show that really stuck out to me: Sin and Punishment on the Nintendo sixty four. Was yeah, I didn't get to play that one, which was a shame. Ah, that was amazing. Um, uh, our Galaga episode, I loved Galaga 88 on the uh, PC Engine. Um, and then the one that really surprised me, well, I actually, I'll, I'll throw in Harmful Park as well. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was so great much fun. shooter. Yes. Um, but the one that almost got my game of the year, but just not quite, was uh, Crash Team Racing. Uh, I could not put that game down until I finished it. I just played it every night for like five, six nights in a row until I finished it. Um, and, uh, on the, uh, and I played that. That's the only game I've actually played through or played for more than an hour on my PlayStation classic at this point. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I forgot about Harmful Park. Wow. Yeah. That was brilliant. There's a lot of good games in here. I was just running them down. I will, uh, for Josh Malone, I'll also point out we did the Shadowrun versus Shadowrun comparison this year. Not in my running. <laughs> but I know he loves those games. You really got to be invested in those games to, to uh, which I could see if I had more time in my life, but... That's one of those games like when you're a kid and you de- and you bought that game or you rented it and that's all you had. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like you, you, you have one game to focus on because you spent all your allowance on it. That That game, that's the kind of game you would get through all right i i did make my game of the year pick so i'm ready when you are well let me give my quick uh uh runner up which was i said ctr is probably my runner up but i also wanted to mention fix it felix jr yeah that on was the commodore game yep. that was very close that was probably my number three this year um tim are you ready for your final game as well your game of the year you want me to go ahead and actually say my game of the year? Sure, why not? Let's do the game of the year. Let's see what happens. Okay. Well, the game of the year for me, I think um, it was a game that was released in April on the Commodore 64. Okay. Um, it kind of like uh, came out of almost out of nowhere, I guess. Um, and one that took the Commodore 64 side of things by storm. Um, and we all had a ton of fun playing this game. I know where it's going. Um, <laughs> um, based on a very popular film by Disney. And that <laughs> is Fix It Felix Jr. Absolutely. I'll get some applause there. 
it was really good. It really was. It's a fantastic it is. game. It is. Um, and, you know, they, they crammed this thing into the Commodore 64, the digital speech, um, you know, all the gameplay that was in it. Um, it's just brilliant. Um, and one thing that I was uh, the the other day uh, when I kind of like picked this game is that I just managed to catch up on Sprite Castle um, onto the most recent episodes. Um, so I was listening to uh, listening to Flack talk about Fix It Felix Jr. Um, and it brought a lot of memories back from that time um, when we were all playing it and having that kind of competition between us. Um, and that just brought back those really good feel good memories. Um, and uh, yeah, I was really, really pleased about this game. Um, so yeah, that is my pick fix it, fix it Felix jr. On the Commodore 64. That's a good one. Love it. Love it. Yep. Eric, do you want me to go or do you got this? Uh, I, I can go because mine's going to be pretty quick if you okay. want to end it up. I, I kind of forgot about this one because it was early in the year, but I don't want to dismiss it. And it is a Nintendo Switch game. And when I downloaded this, I played it and then I I would wake up the next day wanting to play it again. And I I, I played it over and over again every day until I beat the game. It's heavily a stylistic game and where like the, the music as it's playing is like a disconnected kind of jazz. Oh, kind of I know game what it that, is. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and it goes along with the gameplay. I could not get enough of this game and I love it. I, I played it till I beat it and it's ape out on Nintendo switch. Cool. That is and cool. I, I almost forgot about it cause it was very early. It was earlier in the year, but I, I, I God. I don't know why it just connected with me, but I love the game. I mean, I, I, I kind of wish they would come out with Ape Out too, because I will yeah. buy it day <clears> one <throat> and play it. Be probably just as addicted to it. And I tried that game so many times, and it just didn't grab me that way. But I, I, it's got really high reviews, and a lot of people share that opinion. Yeah. Um. So my review, I think, is also going to be. Um, kind of in that realm of what you guys don't get it the way i get it but uh my game of the year after going through everything i did this year was i finally got to playing cuphead and it was absolutely amazing i like i i swear if i had a camera watching me play that game i would be smiling like a like an idiot the whole time because it was so cool and unique and well done (laughs) it felt like i was playing an old cartoon like when you're a kid you're like remember you'd grab a controller and like watch tv and pretend you were like oh i'm playing tv or like eventually games are going to get this good right and this felt like i was playing an old time cartoon um so many different types of gameplay um and i know it's hard as nails a lot of people complain about that but i thought the challenge was set up in a way that yes it was hard but every time you played it you got better until you beat that part and then you move on to the next level and you do it again right um I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. It took me probably three years too long to get to this game, but it finally came out on the Switch. I picked it up. That's my game of the year. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, we going to talk about the best beer of the year? I think we're going to grab uh, our beer of the year. So um, these, of course, would be beers. Well, they don't have to be, but I think they'd be beers that we tried on the show. Yeah. Um, so let's, go, let's let Tim go first. Beer. I, uh, I I didn't drink many beers on the show this year, but um, <laughs> yeah, but you've had some of the beers. A cu- couple I did. 
um but also just sort of like by going uh on beers that i've kind of like drunk personally throughout the year um and i know i harp on about them quite a bit but um harp i, I hear like, you say harp yeah it's not harp <laughs> <laughs> oh okay i thought you were foreshadowing no um so yeah so uh, the wild beer company um i drink a lot of their drunk a lot of their beers and i think pogo um is probably getting my vote mm. um it's such a nice crisp refreshing beer um and uh, just one that i can just drink over and over again really enjoyed that one so that's my beer of the year pogo by the wild beer company nice I didn't get to try that one, but it sounded sounded amazing. Um, I have three I listed here, and to this point, I have not picked. Um, I'm going to try to... Dra- so I, I put uh, Num Num Juice on here, but that's a, that's a beer I've loved going in. So that's kind of a cop-out. Um, we had that a few months ago, and I, just, I absolutely love that hazy. Um, I also put on here Cherry Jane. Do you remember towards the beginning of the year? It was a cherry sour. Yep, I remember. <clears throat> but in the interest of picking something out of the ordinary, I actually went back and bought a couple six-packs of that Dragon's Milk, Eric. Yes, it, yes. It, it was, was really was good. Such an excellent, that was such an excellent <laughs> beer, man. And Suckling from the Dragon's Teat. <laughs> that is my beer of the year is the Dragon's Milk. Excellent. That that is really that was really a great a great beer. That's true. It's not an everyday beer, but it was a it was a good it was a good. But my wife hated it. <laughs> oh man! But so the way I did this is for all of these, I picked two things that I remembered, and then I just I picked two things, and then <clears> I <throat> I've I've narrowed it down to the one. Okay. And so the two beers that I picked were. One was just because it was a great beer, and one was because it was the most interesting. Okay. And the most interesting one was that uh, the creamsicle beer, the yeah. orange creamsicle. And it was just delicious. I love it. it I, a I, mean, great, I love the flavor of it. Great it was beverage. Fantastic. A great beverage, yep. <laughs> and then the, the second one was that one we had not long ago, the peanut butter stout. And I, I've bought oh, okay. two, I've bought two four-packs since then. I mean, I really like that one. It was good. And so when I, the one I'm going to pick is going to be the peanut butter stout because it is a beer. I mean, the other one, it's, it's a great tasting and unique beverage, but it's not what I would say a great <laughs> beer. So I'm going to pick the peanut butter stout. I, I really want to try that creamsicle one. <laughs> I mean, for the want of a better word, that got my juices flowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're you're in luck. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to get one over to you. In fact, I'm gonna try to do that tomorrow. Cool. So I'm gonna go a little out of order here. Let's talk about our favorite retro-related item you purchased. I should say received. You mm-hmm. you gained this year. Um. Okay. So I went literal by purchased because that okay. was in your notes. Sorry, so see, Eric, gonna... I'm sorry. I was so literal, Eric. I'm, uh, <laughs> my bad. Sorry. That's my bad. That's what I. That's what I went with because I, yeah. I. I. I mean. I know my answer if it's acquired well, or, there you or go. received, but I know my answer there. But if it's, I, I went purchased, so well, I'm going to stick to that. Well, you, you know, guys do what you want to do. <laughs> I want to hear both you of them. That's you. what I want to hear. You do okay. you. I, I had I had two that came to mind, and uh, honestly, I don't know which one to pick. Um, there's something so cool about the Amstrad that Tim helped me acquire. <laughs> Uh, because 
Um, on, so it's one of these things that's going to sound nose in the air, I guess, to a little to a, to an extent. But uh, at this point, we listen to a lot of different podcasts, and a, and a few other people have picked up Spectrums. I don't know any other Americans with Amstrads, and that honestly, when I read like Retro Gamer, it's in there almost as much as Commodore and and Spectrum. So to have the kind of like the trifecta, the three of them, um, and it's it it's its own unique feeling machine. It is different than a Commodore, and it is different than a Spectrum. It's kind of its own thing, and so I think that was really cool. Um, I'm not just saying that because Tim's on the show, and I'm very thankful. Although yeah. I am very thankful, it stands very tall, quite literally, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> very wide, very long. <laughs> yeah, um, you've, you've but, now got the Triforce. You've got the British, the British Triforce. You've got the Spectrum, the Commodore, and the Amstrad. Right, right. Um, but I think I, for my acquire or purchase of the year, I think I am going to go with my. 3DO, my Panasonic FZ10 3DO. Um, it's a good one. It is completely different than anything else I have. It is something that seems so out of reach. And so when I was a kid and I saw those, I knew I'd never have one. And it was, um, I don't know, it's so unique. I don't have anything like that that just lives off full motion video and like um, has some good games, but some terrible games. And I don't, I don't know what else to say. I also got the Jaguar. That'd probably be a third. But the 3DO, for some reason, I think is going to take it for me. I think if we um, we finally get ourselves some Jaguar game carts, um, then I think that one's going to shoot up the list eventually, isn't it? I think um, it's just just we're all still waiting for the opportunity to get one of those. So hopefully yeah. one of us will win a free one. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for one of those. <clears throat> How about Tim? What do you got for your uh, pickup of the year? Well, I was going to go with my Sony MSX Hitbit. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. That's a pretty one. That's That was a really nice one. Managed to get it full boxed and all that sort of stuff until last week. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, that Apple II for me is just I just couldn't believe that one. Um, yeah, Apple two apples were pretty rare, right? Absolutely. Over there in the yeah. UK. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the only ones I ever really saw was um, uh, this is again go, going back in, into the mists of time. Um, I had a very uh, well-to-do friend over here, um, back where I used to live in High Wycombe, and. Uh, he had a ZX Spectrum with micro drives and tons of stuff. Um, so I went over to his house um, and we played some games and I had a first time experiencing the awful micro drives on the Spectrum. Um, people hate, send me some hate mail for that, I'm sure now, but I don't I've care. I've heard of those, yeah. They were awful. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so he had the ZX Spectrum and then he said, oh, well, let's, let's go into my, um, into my dad's uh, study um, and go and have a game on Summer Games. And I'm like, well, Summer Games, I've not, not heard of that before. And so we walked into his study and his dad had a massive setup and it it was an Apple II right in the center with the green monitor, twin disc drives, <laughs> um, tons of other equipment all around it, and all that sort. Of, I think he was some some TV producer or something. I can't remember what it what he did. Um, but yeah, yeah, we played summer games on the green screen with one of the the the, 
the floppy style analog joysticks i thought that was really weird at the time having one you know trying to play summer games on that it's, it's just very odd um but that was the only time i'd ever really even up until now where i'd actually seen an apple II in the flesh over here um I think there might have been one at the computer museum when I visited there, but it, it doesn't really strike any real memories for me. And if it was, it was probably behind a bit of glass. Um, so yeah, I, I, this is just blown me away. The condition of this one. Um, and yeah, I think definitely, uh, my, my pickup of the year for me personally purchased. I didn't realize that they were that rare. So when you're all excited about that, yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. It's a solid pickup, but I didn't realize it was quite that special. So I get it now. Yeah. Yeah, especially as it's the Euro, the Euro Plus one as well, yeah. uh, which huh. is the proper version that was brought out over here. So, you know, there have, there have been a fair few Apple IIs obviously imported over time, but this was this was an original one. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my choice. So for me, the I mean, if if it's the pickup of the year, it, it would be the Amiga CD32. I mean, that's hands down because that's that was something I'd been looking for for a very long time. Yep. Um, but I went by the literal question purchased this year. So um, it would have been a toss up between the FujiNet, I think, on the Atari okay. 8-bit or the BMC header that I popped in and made that VIC-20 and that nice BMC setup. Um, I think it's one of those two things. And I think if I had to pick between the two, it would probably be... Uh, probably the FujiNet. I mean, I, I I was part of the beta program on that, so like I participated in a lot of the developer forums and did a lot of testing and you know did a lot of. I, I was pretty involved in it early on, and I thought it was a lot of fun. And <clears throat> having the second one, it it you know it, I think it's a very good purchase. So I'll pick the FujiNet. Very cool. Both things that are very useful, like daily drivers. So I totally yeah. get it. Yeah, I want to get one of those BMC things set up. They've stopped selling them right now. So as far as right. the pre-made boards, um, so but the, I'm that is on my uh, New Year's resolution list. Yeah, Fu- FujiNet is up there for me as well. I really want to dig into some more Atari stuff. Perfect. Uh, last but not least, best moments moments or moment of the show. Yeah. And I'll let you guys go first so I don't take anything. Um, I think mine will be pretty quick because I, I picked two again and then I had to narrow it down. The first one was when I opened that box, Tim, and the, the CD32 was in there. So that was one of my favorite moments of all time because <laughs> I was so surprised. I was like, well, what could this be? I don't know what this is, you know, and I digging in there and I saw that and I was just like, oh, this is crazy. This is, it, I mean, it really blew my mind and I thank you very that much. That was awesome. It, it did exactly what I thought it would. It, I love it. I play it all the time. I mean, I mean, I'm looking around. I, I burned a ton of those discs, like those Amiga J discs. Yeah. And I just, go, I'll just load one up one night, look through it, and play a game or two. And I love that it's consoleized. It, it's just an amazing system, and I love it. Uh, the second thing was uh, Cody's big find. That was one of my favorite uh, moments on the show. Was talking about like the dream where you just walk into a a thing and somebody (laughs) just gives you 10 tons of crap. And it, you know, I, I just, I really enjoyed hearing about that and seeing you refurbish those and going through the steps on that, because that really is the dream, right? Finding these giant treasure troves of stuff. 
That's right there, just behind uh, finding an Apple II and a BBC Micro and a BBC yeah. Compact Master. in perfect condition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, Thinkshin got his his uh, his load of it as well today, which is awesome. So, Cody, uh, I mean, not Cody, uh, Tim, what's yours? Um, Favorite moments? I think that t- t- those two there were, were very close for me. Um, I, I really enjoyed um, uh, hearing Cody talk about the um, all that stuff that he found. And, uh, yeah, it's just like a kid in a candy shop, isn't it, when you just get that. And I remember seeing that picture of all that stuff in the back of your car, and that was just like, wow, that is covered, a mega haul. <laughs> just covered in dust. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the best way because it's, it's not, not clean. Years, so it's it's going to be good. It's not been that fiddled around with and all that sort of thing. So and parted out. So yeah, that that was really good. Um, I enjoyed uh, obviously sending you over the the CD thirty two um, and receiving the fifteen fifteen eighty one drive as well. That was very special. Thank you very much for that. Um, but I think for me it was um, obviously twenty twenty has been a difficult year for all of us. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been difficult as well for, and I'm sure you guys will appreciate, um, for our kids. Um, so for me getting Danica involved into the show, um, sitting down and doing some recording with her that she did on animal crossing and, um, Pokemon and a couple of, a couple of other little bits and pieces like that. So for me, that's kind of like sparked one of my, my, my memories is just sitting down there with her going through and recording and her taking that interest in, in doing the things that was kind of like we do. Um, and, uh, I really enjoyed that and hearing back that on the show. So I think that one's just got to edge it for me just for the, the personal emotional side. Um, yeah. but like I Love say, it. you know, you, you guys, uh, you know, having, getting the CD 32 and Cody with your stuff and uh, that, that 1581 coming across, that was a special moment for me personally as well. So I really enjoyed her, uh, Mario party. Um, do you remember when she did the segment on the Mario party? Because I never got into those games. So yeah, it was like the, it was like listening to uh other podcasts where you hear a game you never played and you're like, Oh, now I really want to try that game. <laughs> and, and, her, and her segment was like that. I was like, and I still haven't done it, but I mean, I want to, it, it, it piqued my interest in Mario party where I'm probably going to tackle it one of these days. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. She did. She did a good job on that. I was really, she did. Um, and she, she wrote some of that stuff as well. You know, she sat down and wrote a few bits and pieces out. Um, and, and then yeah. some of it was completely off the cuff, just, just with me. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. that. So Cody, come on. Then. Well, I have a couple little ones kind of walking up. First of all, when Eric said garbage in a half shell. <laughs> <laughs> garbage in a half shell. Turtle power. Um, uh, also my recent visit, visit, uh, to the Brewing Academy to check out, mm. um, what he had going on there at the uh, the Bates Motel, um, and then I also wanted to throw out the introduction of the game show, which I just love the game show. Um, our special episode where we did uh, we judged all the craptastic 4K games. I would love to do some more of that. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of things that we've done this year that I think lead us into a direction. I think that I would I would love to go, uh, which is kind of more of that. Um, those kind of things, if we can make the time. Uh, I noticed we didn't do nearly as many uh, interviews this year. Um, 
So uh, probably be good to get back to that. But um, I'm going to, and I know this is on behalf of all of us. And if we have all thought of this, we probably would all kind of agree on this one as well. Um, but I think the biggest moment in my moment of the year is um, before I even started the show or we started the show, I listened to Sprite Castle and was so giddy to hear my name announced when I won one of the, uh, like, guess the uh, song things yeah, from Flack. That. Yeah. And the same thing with the Amigos and all their shows. So to be asked to join their network and to be part of that with those guys and be able to talk with them on Discord and interact with them on a regular basis and kind of be part of that family, I think that's going to be my moment of the year because, uh, you know, we're all just dorks in our rooms doing our thing, but it, you, st- you get starstruck, you know? And I just thought that was the the absolute, absolute coolest. Um, all those guys, uh, you know, uh, John and uh, Aaron... Um, of course, uh, Rob Flacco here, not Rob, Rob O. Flack Yeah, that's what I said earlier. Yeah, of course, the Brent, the Brent, and uh, I guess at this point, too, uh, Neil, uh, from Retro Man Cave, which, and um, the Brent, the, yeah, yeah, I mentioned yeah, the, the Brent. Brent. Uh, so I just think that's the coolest thing, and that, uh, everything's growing, we're kind of becoming a bigger, a bigger family together, and, um, uh, more is happening because of it. I wish I had more time to be more involved um, outside of just the audio portion of the podcast. Um, but I'm going to do my best to do more and more. Um, and of course, uh, you know, even though he doesn't have a podcast, but he has a video uh, YouTube channel, of course, Doug has been kind of like family to us as well with the 10 minute Amiga retrocast. So, yep. Uh, cool. I mean, as far as uh, the show and everything we've done, 2020 has been a pretty great year. So I thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, I would. Th- I, I mean, I don't mean to be cheesy, but the, I mean, getting us through 2020, the show's been a big part of getting me through, like having something to look forward to every month and, you know, playing games that I wouldn't have played otherwise. I would have just sit, sat on the couch and been, you know, just, it, it, it helps, you know, having something to look forward to is the key to getting through tough times. So, absolutely. I mean, I I won't lie. There's been times where it's been, um, you know, kind of like a, a, another thing that you've got to do throughout the day. Um, and (laughs) you think, oh yeah, I've got, it's, it's one of those kind of things that's always in the back of your mind. I've got to do X, Y, Z for the podcast for this time and do this and do that. Um, so it's, it's kind of a bit of a double edged sword sometimes, but, um, overall, absolutely agree your with your sentiments there eric it's 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 been one of those things that's really helped helped me personally through a difficult time um and uh yeah i i can't thank you guys enough for for including me in the podcast in the way that you have done uh welcome me onto it and um i know it's it's still very much your guys podcast um but um you know i i appreciate the time that i can come onto the show and make my contributions very cool. And as we all try to stifle a tear. Um, <laughs> exactly. I said I wouldn't cry. That was 2020. Uh, that was 2020. In, in New Year in 2021 and just a day from today, apparently. And uh, I have one resolution, and that is to play Sam's Journey finally. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> and I look forward to getting my uh, my new Amico as well. Those are the big gaming things I'm looking forward to. So. All right, guys. Good cool. stuff. Well, I think we've gone on just about long enough. 
I appreciate you. Big December episodes. <laughs> um, and I think there's only one last thing to say in 2020, and that is... It's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. 